What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of plan investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. we live in can be a very strange place. Most of the time, fact being stranger than fiction. How will we ever start to understand this reality we live in unless we question everything? Join me and a guest as we unravel the mysteries of this reality one topic at a time. This is Increase Your Reality with Shane Jones. What is up, Inquirers? And welcome back to the otherworldly inquiries of our reality. In the spirit of the spooky season that is now among us, I found it appropriate to bring someone on who specializes in the ghostly realm. We often talk of the possibilities of other realities that might coexist around us, but today, let's dive into the unseen side of the paranormal. But before we get into this awesome episode today, got the uh, usual 
news updates and front of the house stuff. So uh, for anybody that hasn't already picked up on it, and I've been talking about it for a while now, and it is quickly approaching upon us, uh, I will be vending and speaking at the Snarly U Presents Cryptid Halloween 2 uh, Cryptid Festival and Halloween Craft Show. That will be October 28th from 12 to 6, and that will be at the American Legion in Charlestown, West Virginia. Uh, there is some more info for this event down in the uh, show description. It will be a free event. It will be a lot of fun, and it will be the first time that I've been able to speak at an event. And it won't just be me. It will be my awesome co-host, Orn from Bizarre Encounters. And uh, we have three different live shows set up that we're going to be doing. Uh, the first one is going to be us doing a presentation on a topic that uh, I guess will be announced the day of the event. Uh, the second will be an interview that we'll be doing, uh, talking with some uh, local investigators that check into the whole uh, wizard clip phenomenon that happens in West Virginia. And then the third ep- third show will be a free form for anybody to be able to share their encounters and make it so everybody can come up and talk about their encounters. We can break them down. Uh, we can shine some light of some stuff that we may have come across in our research on some of these. And uh, for anybody that may not want to share their encounter, I will have a notepad uh, at the table that I'll be vending at. So if anybody wants to come up anonymously and uh, leave one of their encounters, we can read it out loud uh, when we start presenting, leave all your names out and everything like that. And uh, I didn't actually make this offer, but to all you guys out there, if you guys want to get involved in this, even if you may not be able to attend the event, uh, if you guys send me some of your encounters, I'd love to share them at this event. And uh, I will be doing this as a live feed also, as long as I can get everything set up properly. So if you guys aren't able to make it out, you guys should still be able to catch it. And no matter what, I will be recording everything. So it may partly get dropped as episodes, but we'll probably release the full video for everything out there on YouTube. So there will be an opportunity for all you guys to be able to see it, even if you guys can't come. But I'd love to see you guys there. Hopefully you guys can make it. And if you guys are planning on coming, uh, please let me know because I'd love to know you guys by face and name already before you get there because I want to be able to hang out and get to know you guys a bit more. So uh, yeah, if anybody needs any info for that, like I said, free event, it's down in the show description. And uh, moving on to the front of house stuff. If you guys haven't left a review or rating for the show, I would definitely appreciate it. It's an awesome way to make it so that the show gets seen by more people and helps the algorithms out so it pushes the show up and, again, will help the show to continue to grow. Uh, If you guys leave a five-star review on iTunes, then I will read on the show and give you guys a big shout-out. I know there's a lot of you you guys who have left a rating for the show on Spotify, and I more than appreciate it. Unfortunately, I'm not able to see all your guys' names, so I can't give you guys big shout-outs, but... If anybody wants to, you guys can also send me a message on Instagram. Let me know what you guys think of the show. And uh, if you guys are on the Android side listening on Spotify, then I can always share those messages on the show, which I'd love to do and give you guys a shout out. And we're in the process of that. If you think anybody will enjoy the show, uh, don't forget to share the show with people through word of mouth. It's another awesome way to help the show grow. And if you're not already following the show on social media, don't forget to check me out over on Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, TikTok, Discord, and Telegram. Instagram and Facebook are the ones I'm the most active on. Those are under inquiries of our reality. Um, Bizarre Encounters, that one's on its own account for those things. But as far as uh, YouTube, TikTok, Discord, and Telegram go, uh, those are all the Open Minds Media ones. So that's set up for both shows. So if you're looking for inquiries or you're looking for Bizarre Encounters, uh, you guys will find both of those all in one place, all under Open Minds Media on YouTube, TikTok, Discord, and Telegram. 
And I'm always trying to build up those chat rooms and everything over there. So if anybody wants to hop in, I'm more than appreciate it. Uh, don't be discouraged to start up a conversation. Uh, it goes in spurts. It's sometimes a little bit more active than other times, but the only way it's going to be continuously active every single day is if you guys hop in, have some conversations, and then I can kind of bounce in as, uh, as I have the ability to do so because I am kind of busy throughout the day with the family. But I get around to everything at night and I really respond to all you guys. So don't be afraid to uh, hop in and share some of your ideas over there. And if anybody's interested in being a guest on the show, whether you're a ufologist, cryptozoologist, paranormal investigator, uh, abductee, experiencer, author, folklorist, researcher, whistleblower, or any other type of open-minded individual, I'd love to sit down and have a conversation with you on the show. So shoot me a message on Instagram. Like I said, that's the one I'm the most active on. Or you guys can email me at inquiriesofallrealitypodcast.outlook.com. Or you guys can go to the link tree, fill the submission form, and that will go directly to my email. Uh, make sure you guys check your spam and junk folders. Make sure nothing gets missed because I do respond to every single message that I get. Um, I do send out a lot of links for the show. So unfortunately, a lot of my emails get sent to the spam or junk folder because they assume that I'm just one of those spammers that's sending out links and everything, not realizing that I'm trying to run a podcast over here, of course. And uh, if you guys haven't already checked out Bizarre Encounters, I know I was talking about it with uh, the event that it's coming up. Uh, don't forget to go and check that show out. It's a lot of fun. Uh, totally different format than this show. This is obviously more of like the interview style, open conversation style show. Over there, we do some deep dives. We do a bunch of our different research over there. Uh, it originally started as more of an interview show, but it's quickly transitioned into more of like a deep dive show where we have a lot of fun and make some jokes along the way. So if that sounds like something that might interest you, don't forget to go and uh Follow Bizarre Encounters anywhere that you guys can. Make sure you add it to your regular rotation as far as podcasts go. And uh, if you guys want to keep tabs on both shows and everything else that I might do in the future, uh, I do have an Instagram and a Facebook, of course, set up for Open Minds Media. So make sure you keep tabs over there. Follow all three pages. Be the absolute best. And I'd more than appreciate it from you guys. And if you guys want to support the show, there's a couple different ways to do so. You guys can go and join the uh, awesome ranks of the Patreon members I got going over there. I know I've been listing them on a bunch of shows, and I love and appreciate all you guys. So I'm not just going to keep running the list throughout the shows, but you guys know who you are, of course. And uh, if you guys join the Patreon, you guys will get things such as ad-free episodes of the show, early access to the show, uh, lives of the show, live replays of the show, which is the video format of the show, and exclusive merch store discounts. And I'm always willing to add and do different things as far as the uh, Patreon goes. So if there's anything that you guys would love to see as far as the Patreon goes, don't be afraid to send me a message, throw your thoughts and ideas, because I'd love to make that as user-friendly and give you guys as much of what you want as possible. But the only way I'm ever going to be able to do that is with feedback from you guys out there. So more than appreciate if you guys are willing to do that. And uh, you guys can also donate to the show directly through Cash App, Venmo, PayPal, or Red Circle, which is the RSS host for the show. And if you guys donate to the show, let me know that you did. And I'll give you guys a big shout out on the show because it's more than appreciated because all of that is going back towards the show to help the show continue to grow, make it so that I can go to more events, be able to meet you guys some more, get some new pockets of listeners. Uh, all goes back towards the show because I want the show to be as successful as possible and try to give as best of a platform as I possibly can for the guests that come on the show. So by doing all that kind of stuff, it'll make it so that I'm able to get some more bigger guests on the show and make it so that I can produce even more awesome content for you guys. And uh, like I was mentioning with one of the perks that you get for the Patreon, there is the Open Minds Media merch store. Over there, you can get merchandise for Increase of All Reality and Bizarre Encounters and any of the new cryptid designs that end up dropping in the future. Uh, I do have the Squonk design, but unfortunately, I don't think that'll drop on the merch store just yet because I'm planning on revamping the merch store. Um, there is the new Increase of All Reality logo that will be dropping very soon. And shout out to Chris from Conspire Theory for putting that one together. He did a great job. For anybody that's seen it already, it's pretty sweet. For anybody else, you'll be seeing it hopefully on social media soon enough. But when that goes to drop, I'm going to revamp the uh, 
whole entire merch store. So I'll probably deactivate the old store, start up a new store, um, make it so the designs, everything are a little bit better, a little bit more organized on there. So keep your eyes and ears out for that because that will be something that's happening very soon. And if you guys, of course, join the Patreon and then you go pick up something from the merch store, you'll get yourself a little bit of a discount, which is always a good thing, of course. And uh, if you guys aren't able to support the show in any of those ways, don't forget to support the show through word of mouth, um, interacting in the community, letting me know what you guys think of the show, giving me some kind of feedback and all that kind of stuff. Um, even just sending me a message saying that you guys really enjoy the show because I know I say this on every single show, but um, you know I've seen a lot of shows come and go in the time that I've been around and the saving grace for a lot of those shows may have been just sending some messages, interacting with them, uh, letting me know that you're out there because we see all the numbers. We don't necessarily know all of you guys' faces and names as much as we'd love to, but the only way that that's ever going to happen is with you guys breaking the ice first, letting us know that you're out there. So don't think you guys have to donate to any kind of shows, anything like that. Just knowing you guys are out there and appreciating the show is more than enough. And that goes for not just this show, but any podcast you guys enjoy. Don't forget to let your favorite podcasters know how much you enjoy their show, because that's the only way they're going to stick around forever and they're going to be able to keep producing awesome content for you guys. And while we're talking about supporting other creators, guys, don't forget to go and check out Crypto Theology. Joe's killing it over there, as usual, with his uh, cryptid-related merch designs. Uh, he recently dropped a Jersey Devil design, which is pretty damn awesome. He'll be vending with me also at the Cryptid Halloween event. And uh, so, you know, if you guys are already planning on coming out there and seeing me, you guys can also go and scoop some awesome shirts from Joe. And one of the new designs he's dropping is a Snarly U design in honor of the Snarly U putting on this event. Not the literal Snarly U, but Dave, awesome guy, of course. Got to give him a shout out on the show. So don't forget to uh, go and support all of your favorite creators. And again, come to this event and support all of us all in one place. That's always the best possibility and get to we can make it so we can all get to know each other because we want to pull you guys into the community, of course, because we love all you guys out there for supporting all the stuff that we do. And uh, everything that I mentioned, of course, is all available under the link tree, which is available down in the show description. And with that, let's get into the show. Please welcome to the show, Eric Freeman from the Unseen Paranormal. How's it going today, man? Good, man. How are you doing? Not too bad. Hanging in there. Uh, long day of work, but glad to be sitting down doing the show. It's always like the one of the peak moments of the day besides seeing the kids and everything after getting off work. So excited to be here and excited to talk about some paranormal stuff today. Yeah, thanks for having me. I, uh, I've been really busy, too. We're, we're doing our own uh, paranormal expo, which is uh, going to be massive. It's in a couple of weeks in Nashville, so... I, uh, I've been working on all that, trying to get, you know, speakers and we have 80 vendors. So yeah, it's a beast. I say, if you want, you can give a little bit more info, might as well plug it. If you want let people know where it's going to be the date, all that kind of stuff. If you want. Yeah. It's the Tennessee haunts and legends expo and it'll be October 21st from nine to six at the Nashville fairgrounds in Nashville, Tennessee. So yeah, anybody in the middle Tennessee area, Tennessee area, come out and see us. T- uh, tickets are only 10 bucks and 12 and under are free. And parking is ten dollars. So we'll have we got a lot of speakers. I'll be a speaker talking about legends in, here in Tennessee, and we got lots of other speakers and authors uh, that we'll be up on the stage talking. So we have uh, Brandon Alvis and Mustafa Gallery here too, my buddies from uh, TV's Ghost Hunters, uh, kind of the keynote speakers, and talking about their new show Haunted Discoveries and showing some uh, clips from that, um, which hasn't come out in the U.S. yet. It just debuted in Canada, so that'll be cool. Yeah, a whole full day of fun vendors and speakers and talking about the paranormal. Absolutely, man. And if you want, uh, if you send me the link after the show, I'll put a link down in the show description. So if anybody's in the area and wants to check it out, they can come and get some tickets and check it out quick and easy. Yeah. 
So uh, for anybody that may not be familiar with who you are and what you do, besides, of course, throwing throwing expos, uh, why don't you let the <laughs> listeners know a little bit about yourself and uh, what you do over there with uh, Unseen Paranormal? Yeah, I'm the host of the Unseen Paranormal podcast. Uh, I started it three years ago. I think I have like 130 episodes. Uh, every episode, I have a different guest, and we talk about all aspects of the paranormal. Um, I'm a ghost guy. That's what I've been doing for 20-something years as, a, as an investigator is ghost. That's my forte. So a lot of the guests, you know, the show's in around that. But I have uh, researchers, other investigators, authors, um, TV people. I've had Katrina Wadman on. I've had Andrea Perrin from The Real Conjuring House. Um, all kind of interesting people to talk to and, and get their perspective on the paranormal and their experiences in the paranormal. And then I just started a new podcast uh, called Strange Chapters where I narrate stories uh, out of books. I pair up with the author uh, and narrate true stories. And it's not just paranormal. It's uh, macabre and strange and weird, like disappearances and true crime and things like that. So just everything weird and strange. And uh, But I got into the paranormal when I was a kid. My first experience was when I was eight. I woke up out of a dead sleep and uh, saw a full body hypersensitive sitting in my doorway. And, uh, of course, that scared the shit out of me. So I jumped up and slammed the door and turned the light on. And, and that kind of got my fascination going with the paranormal and what I'd seen and what I experienced and where it come from. And so then I became that weird kid that used to go to like the book fairs at school. And uh, I feel like we all were that kid. (laughs) (laughs) Ghost books and things like that. And then uh, when I was a teenager, uh, me and my father passed away when I was 14. And so that kind of kicked me in the ass even more high gear to figure out, you know, what's beyond us, where do you go type thing. And my my dad was kind of agnostic, so he really wasn't uh, religious at all. And I've, I'm agnostic as well, so I believe in some beyond us, just not labels like organized religion. And so um, I teamed up with a bunch of my friends, and we started going uh, sneaking into locations. Because uh, here in Middle Tennessee, we have a lot of Civil War history. And uh, I don't condone trespassing, but... Urban exploring, that's what you call it. It's not trespassing, yeah. it's urban right. exploring. <laughs> yeah, what's what's those kids on... Uh, you, I call them kids. I'm 40. But uh, the dudes on uh, Colby and somebody on YouTube that are huge, that's how they started was urban exploring until they got arrested for trespassing and then they decided the paranormal was a better way to go. <laughs> yeah, probably a little bit better. I mean, <laughs> I had all my weird encounters doing some paranormal investigation slash urban exploring, but uh, it was always like you had to be smart about it. You know, like I'd see a lot of people make the mistake of parking their car like right next to the building, for example. Or, you know, they'd just be making a bunch of noise while they were walking through or they'd have their flashlights when they're going past the front windows. Just a lot of stuff you got to look out for. And I mean, like, just on top of it anyways, like, a lot of the places that are worth paranormal investigating, they are abandoned. And if they are owned by somebody, you're going to be paying a couple hundred dollars to be able to stay there through the night. And you don't know if somebody has speakers or what they might rig up if they kind of turn into more of like a tourist attraction like that. Yeah, and I back when I started, it was before the TV shows. And I really didn't even know that there was a such thing as like a investigator, you know, ghost hunter that people actually got together in groups and went out and did this, you know, got permission to go do this stuff. Me and my friends were just going to graveyards and places like that and uh, doing what we thought was investigating, I guess, uh, from what we'd seen on like maybe unsolved mysteries or in search of, you know, shows like that. And so we would take an old, you know, VHS video camera and see if we can capture anything on film and, you know, things like that. And just basically walking around the property to see if we could experience anything. And we did. We experienced a lot, especially at one location uh, called Carton Plantation. I talk a lot about it and my experiences there. It's an amazing historical location. 
in Franklin, Tennessee, and uh, it was used as a hospital during the Civil War. And a lot of places claim that, and, and they say, you know, I got blood stains. This place has blood stains that are four or five foot around. Floors. They're massive. And um, so a lot of death there. And they called the Battle of Franklin the five bloodiest hours of the Civil War because like 3,000 people died in five hours and uh, in a small area. And it was, it was a pretty crazy battle. But so we have a huge history of that. So the whole old part of downtown Franklin is haunted. Every building has stories. Um, I got a friend who, who wrote a book about it. And he's he's actually gone from house to house and business to business downtown and getting people to tell him the stories and stuff. So uh, interesting place and an awesome place to kind of cut my teeth on learning how to investigate and and experiencing things too. Is it more of like one of those residual haunting type locations since it's such such a traumatic thing, or is there also like intelligent hauntings there too? Uh, from a lot of the stories, there are some intelligent hauntings there. Uh, the most of it's residual. Um, about 10 or 11 o'clock at night, you can hear cannon firing gunshots and things like that. And sound like people yelling from far off, you know, um, and, and lots of residual apparitions too. There's one that's reported to walk back, pace back and forth on the back porch. And we actually caught on the VHS camera one time. We were really far away and, you know, zoom was nothing back in those days, <laughs> like in the nineties. And so we zoomed as far as we could, but you could see a vague shadow like pacing the back porch, like a soldier, you know, protecting the back porch. And uh, so a lot of the claims I've, I've actually seen myself. I think one of the intelligent spirits was actually the lady of the house, Miss McGavick. Um, the McGavicks were a founding family of Nashville, and there's lots of things named after them. There's a high school and a road, all sorts of stuff. But uh, one night we were up there, and we walked around the corner of the house, and I saw a lady poke her head in the window and kind of pull the curtain back, poke her head in the window, kind of looking to see who was on her front lawn. <laughs> you know, and, and so she's been seen around there a lot in different places. So I'd say she's probably more of a, an intelligent um, spirit there to where all the death and, and things from the soldiers, you know, probably left a lot of like you're saying trauma and stuff on the environment. So you get, you got a lot of the residual stuff too. Just out of curiosity, because you do obviously do paranormal investigations. Oh, uh, how do you kind of see like residual haunting? So I know everybody kind of has their theories on them, uh, but do you see it more <coughs> as possibly like something so traumatic happened that it just kind of left an imprint in time, but they're not necessarily they're, like a soul attached to it? Or do you kind of sit on the side that there is like a unfinished business type soul or, you know, those things actually passed on. And again, it's more of just like a, an imprint that's been left or maybe even seeing through a time, I guess you could say, because of it being so traumatic that it just echoes through time. Like where, where, where do you kind of sit as yeah. far as that goes? I think there's a couple of explanations that I kind of subscribe to. I think one is like you're, t- you're talking about kind of a time slip thing. I think that happens sometimes uh, where you'll see things that aren't necessarily what we call intelligent haunting because it's not something that's going to I- interact with you, but you're going to watch it like a movie. And, uh, you know, and, and the classic residual hauntings of the imprint on the environment. And I don't think it even takes a traumatic event for that to happen. I think if grandpa and grandma lived in a house for 80 years together, and every day after work, grandpa come through the back door, you know, walked a certain path, went up the stairs, and that happened, you know, for 50, 60 years. I think that's going to leave the same kind of energy that that maybe a traumatic event would because it's the same thing over and over, the same energy imprint over and over. But, yeah, like the stone tape theory, I think, makes a lot of sense to me um, with the things recording on the environment, kind of like you record magnetically onto a cassette tape or VHS tape. Uh, I mean, we have fields all around us with the earth and our bodies that's electromagnetic fields. So it only makes sense that we could maybe record on 
quartz or whatever, you know, limestone and things like that that are in the ground. And, and quartz is used in watches, you know, to hold electricity anyway. So, you know, we know that quartz can hold an electrical charge. And also they're trying to develop computers that use quartz for the memory um, because it can hold data as well, they figured out. So um, I, th I think it can record that way as well. And then when the conditions are right for whatever reason, you know, something interferes with that magnetic field or intensifies it or say you have a thunderstorm or something that builds up electric charge. I think it can play back like a movie and it's going to do that whether you're there or not. I don't think, I don't really believe in the unfinished business of spirits. I think you have your residuals like that, like I was saying, the time slips and, and like the recordings on the environment. And I think you have your intelligent hauntings. And I think the intelligent hauntings, I don't even think they're stuck here. I think they're here under their own volition uh, for their own reasons. And it may be unfinished business, who knows. But I, you know, that old trope of, of unfinished business, I just don't subscribe to too much. I'm almost kind of curious. I'm kind of curious if they just kind of exist in a reality that overlays our reality and they're actually interacting in that other reality, but we're able to see them in our reality. And then as far as, like you said, with the VHS tape thing too, I've never really heard that comparison before. That's a really good comparison as far as that goes. And then also kind of made me curious if, um, you know, say there is like heavy magnetic storms, for example, versus like a long time where there hasn't been any kind of rain or any kind of energy that charges it up. I wonder if it will like give a, <clears throat> like a better picture, so to speak, that when it's right. not that charge, it'll be more of just like a dark kind of gloomy shadow versus like, if there's a lot of thunderstorms, there's a lot of like energy in that area, then it'll be like a full apparition. Cause it's like a fully charged, uh, pictures at that point. Right. Yeah. Almost like a hologram. Yeah. The more energy you give it kind of the more vivid it is. Um, yeah, the stone tape theory, yeah, it just makes a lot of sense to me because even even with I just saw a video the other day that that even kind of kicked it into high gear for me, with because uh, I've been asked about you know the sound because how you know there's no they don't have vocal cords to to recreate the sound or whatever, but if you go up to a uh, they tell you never go up to an AM radio tower um, because they pump so much electricity into those to put that signal out really really far that uh, I saw a video the other day, a guy took a pair, he would, they were working on the AM radio tower and they said, this is why you never go up and touch one. And that's why they have barbed wire fences and things around them. But he took what looked like a pair of jumper cables and he only got within six inches of this tower. And you know, the tower is like 10 stories tall or whatever, but he only got within about six inches of the metal and a spark jumped to the jumper cables and you can actually hear the radio station through the vibration <laughs> of that electricity in the air. So I'm assuming they have to completely turn those towers off if they have to do any kind of maintenance or anything on them, right? <laughs> they do not turn them off. They actually have to ground themselves to the tower. Oh, they wow. They charge their own body with that much. And as long as they're, well, as long as they're not grounded, they won't get electrocuted. So it's kind of like the guys that, that work on the, um, the big power lines uh, when they fly in with the helicopter. They have, I don't know if you've ever seen that, but they have like a wand they stick out to basically electrify the whole helicopter the same um, as the wire so they don't get electrocuted because when it arcs it's when it jumps that it'll it'll get you it's the same thing with that tower but i found it fascinating that and people can look those videos up with the am tower um that i'm talking about the AM radio towers but i you know it's the same way and if you think of the way the audio is transmitted through a microphone the vibrations are turned into electrical impulses that go through a wire you know and are recorded that way digitally now so if you have that electric electric energy in the atmosphere and you have some way of putting it on a certain wavelength, you're going to get, 
you know, audio out of that as well. Does that make sense? Yeah, completely makes sense. I say that's uh, again, kind of like another weird thing that I didn't know. So I, I always love these kind of shows where I get to learn some more random stuff, even if it's just random here, here facts or here and there. But yeah. I'm assuming that part of the reason why like everything kind of transitioned to FM after that was because of the fact that AM towers probably aren't necessarily safe to have around like houses. They have to have like specific locations where they build these things. And speaking of that also, AM tower locations, I'm kind of curious if there's somewhat of like an upspike in possibly paranormal activity around these areas because of that energy that it gives out, even if it is just a little bit of energy farther off in the distance. I wonder if paranormal um, anomalies are able to like pull some of that energy so there maybe they're more seen in that area. Yeah, that and also high EMF fields, electromagnetic fields. Um, have scientifically been proven to cause people to have visual and auditory hallucinations. So you can go look at experiments like the God helmet experiment where they pump all this EMF into people's brains and, and they see what they call it the God helmet because people see God and have been to heaven and things like that. They look hallucinating. But your brain works off electromagnetic field and electroactivity. So any deviation of that or any kind of half field that would change that, it would make sense that it would cause hallucinations and things. And also, like, uh, I mean, EMF detectors were brought into the paranormal field to rule out high EMF. They weren't brought in to detect spirits and ghosts. And and nobody ever thought that before then that ghosts were made of electromagnetic fields or could even manipulate them. Um, EMF detectors were brought in because of unshielded wiring in old houses. When you have the old knob and tube or, or old... Um, cables that don't have the coatings that we have now on them, like the plastic coatings on the electric wires, they can give off high EMF fields. And uh, even something simply, I did a, a private investigation one time at a home, and they were they were seeing things in their house and hearing things. And when we brought out the EMF detector, you should be getting 0 0.1, 0 0.2 at most on the meter. And her husband was a gamer, and their Wi-Fi was giving off 1,500 milligauss this should be getting off 0.1 so just something as simple as your wi-fi router can cause you to hallucinate if you're sensitive not everybody's sensitive to emf um in it takes higher and higher doses for certain people to to have issues with it but some people are really sensitive to it I'm glad that you brought that up, actually, because I was going to bring up the whole idea that I've heard about where, you know, like IT departments, for example, that a lot of people will claim that they're that they're haunted. And I, I'm kind of curious if it's one, just because of like the electromagnetic fields caused by all the computer equipment in the area, or if two, um, you know, like, I guess for two reasons that it could work that way. Either one, it's causing people yeah. to have like the hallucinations. And it also, so I've heard that before that it kind of gives you this like uncomfortable kind of gloomy feeling. So you're already kind yeah. of like on edge and kind of freaked out. Or if on the other side of it, again, it's just that there is so much electricity in the air that these uh, apparitions and other um, paranormal type beings just kind of use that energy in order to manifest themselves in this reality, so to speak. I mean, it, it, I feel like it could, it could kind of go in both ways, depending on which way you're looking at it. And it might be even a combination of both. Yeah. Yeah. And some of the other um, studies that they've done scientifically is uh, when people feel like they're being watched in their house when they're alone, a lot of times that's high EMF fields. Um, and they've played with that of like, you know, turning the electrical uh, current up and turning it down. And you know what I'm saying? Doing studies like that when people don't know that they're, they know they're being studied, but they're not con. You know what I'm saying? They're they're not conscious of it. They're in a study environment, but they're not really conscious of what's going on necessarily in that aspect. 
I mean, it's even phones in general too. They give you that uncomfortable feeling because yeah. everybody knows that they listen for ad placements, stuff like that. So I'd be like, you may not always be me being watched, but you're definitely being listened to to some extent. And that's why you have all those specialized ads that pop up. And the weird part that kind of connects into it that might be even part of like the whole electromagnetic field idea, and maybe a lot more of this is established than what we think is, um, you know, you think of a product and then all of a sudden it'll pop up on stuff. I'm kind of curious if they're able to like track like how your electromagnetic field changes when you like are, for example, like um, thinking about a certain object or something, or if you watch something and then your brain starts like giving off like a different vibe when you start uh, connecting something that you want because of that. Like, I'm kind of curious, like how advanced the technology is. And then even going off of that too, you know, like all of us, like people that are just kind of uh, investigating the paranormal um, from like, I guess the civilian side of it goes, I'm kind of curious, you know, everybody talks about like alien government conspiracies, alien cryptic conspiracies, all that kind of stuff kind of makes you curious if there's more of an understanding of the paranormal realm um, to secret projects than we may understand just because of accidentally stumbling upon it, working out all these different types of like electromagnetic fields. Because, I mean, that even connects in with all the different weird portal theories. They say that it was like magnets that they used to open up the, um, the portal for the Philadelphia uh, experiment, for example. Well, now they've come out and said the MH370, the Malaysian flight, there's a video out of a portal taking it now. Really? There's I haven't seen that yet. In a drone image. Actually, uh, you know Tony, You know who Tony Merkel is? Yeah, the, like the confessionals. Yeah, he just had a dude on there that was talking about that, and you can go watch the video. I think he's got it up on the confessionals. But um, yeah, opening portals and things. And also, they, I mean, they've been doing crazy things with um, superconducting magnets for levitation and things and, and anti-gravity. Um, with these superconducting magnets, but the only problem is they have to get them like to zero Kelvin or some crazy low temperature to get them to have these properties. So yeah, it's, it's crazy how much of our world is made up of the electromagnetic fields. And if you think, I mean, everything, uh, light is a wave, radio is a wave, sounds a wave, um, electricity is a wave. They're just all on different wavelengths, but they're all part of basically the same family. Almost kind of makes you wonder if you vibrate them at the correct paces and the correct frequencies, if it's almost like they'd be able to theoretically kind of like ride on top of each other and not actually make contact. And that's where you could kind of like create different types of levitation or opening portals. Because, I mean, I've, yeah. I've created kind of some of my own portal theories, and it seems like there's a commonplace piece that a lot of the places where there's anomalies <laughs> that happen... Uh, tend to be areas where there was some type of volcanic activity and it caused like magnetic anomalies because of that. And then there's usually some type of like, uh, usually quartz deposits more often than not, but some type of something that's like taking in the energy and holding the energy almost like a battery. And then you combine like vibration, for example, like when there's seismic activity, it seems like that's when people go missing and stuff. And then, you know, even like the Bermuda Triangle, for example, one thing that I've kind of said is that ships give off a low hum, uh, planes give off a low hum. So, I mean, that combination of the magnetic with the built up energy and then that uh, freak frequency or pitch, I'm kind of curious if it like unintentionally like opens up like portals and gateways. Yeah, yeah. And even if you get into quantum physics, you know, they have the vibration theory now that there are different dimensions and our dimension vibrates on one frequency and these other dimensions vibrate on a slightly different one. And they think that they're, they're starting to talk about with, you know, time slips and things like that, maybe the frequencies match up every once in a while. And um, so we get these other worlds coming in briefly and going out. And maybe that's part of hauntings too. Um, like you were talking about earlier with time slips. I mean, it's like that movie, the others with Nicole Kidman mm-hmm. where, you know, 
she thinks they're being haunted, but they're really the ghost. <laughs> and so maybe that's what it is. And also Nick Groff on his Death Walker series, he's been doing experiments about maybe sometimes we're haunting ourselves. And I've even heard stories about that before from some of the authors I've had on who have gotten stories from people. Uh, one of the stories I remember was this uh, kid when he was like 11 or 12. He walked into his kitchen in the middle of the night and saw somebody making a peanut butter and jelly sandwich, like an adult guy making like a sandwich or something at the counter. And then he thought it was a ghost, right? He thought their house was haunted. Within years later, he's the adult making the sandwich and turns around and sees himself as a little kid. So. I've heard a few of those ones. Those ones are ultra weird, man. And that's yeah. like the uh, kind of, I'm, it's either a time slip or maybe it's just like one of those like residual things too, because yeah. ca- kind of like a weird time, time loop kind of concept that you traumatize yourself because you saw a ghost at this time. And then you also traumatize yourself at this time because you saw a ghost. So then right. it makes that traumatic event and it becomes like a yeah. residual haunting. And it's almost like a circle that one wouldn't have happened without the other, you know? Right. Yeah. Um, it's that, how, oh, what is that called? It was in a movie. It was kind of like that. I forget. Um, from Back to the Future. Uh, something Paradox? Yeah, he tells Marty if he sees himself or comes in contact with himself, it'll cause some sort of paradox. Yep. <laughs> kind of a weird thing to think about. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I try to, I mean, I, as people can obviously see, I try to come at the paranormal in a as much of a scientific way as I can, but also as skeptical as I can. And I call myself a skeptical believer because I've had so much shit happen to me throughout my life that I can explain um, that I don't need to say everything's paranormal because on a daily basis, I have things happen that I can't explain, you know, and I'll go looking for explanations and I'll try to debunk everything that I possibly can. Um, even when I go to a location, my motto, and I, I don't remember where I heard this long, long time ago, but my motto investigating is, uh, we don't go into a place, um, investigating a haunting. We go and investigate stories of haunting. Because until I experience, I don't know if places is haunted or not. And people, especially nowadays with TV shows, they jump to conclusions so many times about, you know, noises and bangs and, and just ordinary things like dust and, you know, orbs. They get on, <laughs> orbs get on my nerves. I hate fucking orbs. Um, because most of the time it's lens flares or, or things like that that are explainable. And people just want to jump to conclusions. And I think some people just want to believe in the afterlife so much that, you know, they're going to cling on to, oh, that's not dust on the camera. That was grandma when it's necessarily not. Or, or like the old wives tale here in the South is if a cardinal visits you, it's your loved one coming to visit. And, well, no, it's just a fucking cardinal because they live around here. Like, you know, there's a huge population of them. If a pelican showed up at my window and I live in Middle Tennessee, we might have, okay, that might be a sign, you know, but not a cardinal. No, I hate that the truth, though, because <laughs> I mean, I've heard that a lot with like butterflies, for example, and it's always with like butterflies that are like known in the region. And it's one of those things, too, that it's just connecting folklore that people like to carry on those old traditions yeah. and it makes people feel better. So it is what it is kind of a thing. Um, but as far as like orbs and stuff go, they're definitely something that fascinates me. But I always have like a like a hard time with like the ones on cameras that you really see, because again, it could be lens flare, uh, could be some dust. Even if it's like a really good solid picture, it's like, you don't really know for sure. Cause you weren't physically there seeing it with your eyes. So it's hard to really make like an assessment on it. But like, you know, there's some of the weirdly weird orbs that people see like in the middle of the woods and they'll move like intelligently around and there'll be different colors and stuff. Like those ones are definitely more than fascinating, but 
I mean, they, they kind of touch bases on so many different communities that they're hard to necessarily place anywhere. And I think they're a good combination of all of them. But a lot of the stuff I see, like as far as like paranormal investigation side goes, um, you know, it's usually you're in an old dusty building to begin with. You're doing the investigation. Right. So it's just it's really, really hard to know for sure unless you were like physically there or you're, you know, getting the pictures or hearing the story from somebody that you that you trust, for example, you know, saw it with their eyes and are telling you they saw it and then they got a picture of it. Then maybe it's something to look into. But other than that, it's like when you see all the random orb pictures online, it's kind of like, eh, eh, eh. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. And I've actually seen real orbs with my own eyes. You know, a ball of light emitting its own light with my own eyes. No explanation for that. So I, they do exist. Do I know if it's a spirit or not? I don't know. It may just be some kind of, you know, electrical discharge in the air. Um, there's another phenomenon I've seen too. It looks like uh, glitter in the dark. Um, it's really weird. Almost, almost like you're, it's not as bright as a sparkler, but the way that sparks come off a sparkler. And you'll see like the dark shimmering just in one area. I've heard one other person talk about that before. Um, it was uh, Mike Rickcycler. I had on a long time ago. He yeah. wrote like a few shadow people books and stuff. But there was yeah. one experience he had where he was seeing like beings in the woods and then this like eel looking glittery thing that was like above the trees. So I'm glad you brought that up because I haven't heard anybody else really bring <laughs> that one up before. Yeah, I've seen it twice. At, at, uh, each time it was a different location. Uh, both times, but yeah, I'm I'm familiar with Mike. He's uh, been on my show a few times. He has a really awesome theory that I kind of like too when it comes to people seeing um, apparitions, especially full body apparitions. Because I've experienced this myself. You can have four or five people in the same room, and you can have an apparition. Like everybody's seeing, it agrees that you know there's an apparition there, but everybody will see it differently. And some people will see full body apparition, you know, clear person looking things some people will see like a mist some people just see a shadow figure and so his theory because he's experienced shadow figures his entire life um is that we all vibrate on a slightly different frequency and the people that see the apparition as a full-bodied person it's because they're vibrating on the same frequency as that apparition and uh i think i did that justice for his theory but it's in one of his books uh i think it's in the sh the one of the shadow people books the walk in the shadows i think that was the one yeah yeah and uh just thought, i thought that was an awesome theory no, I, that's something that's definitely fascinated me too and I, I another kind of theory that i've been kind of curious about that links in with that one too is that you know i've heard a few experiences again where it's multiple people seeing the same thing, but they're seeing it in different ways. And yeah. when you have somebody that sees like a, like a white apparition versus like a shadow person, um, sometimes I'm curious if it's a matter of maybe like cones in somebody's eyes. Some people can see more colors than others. So maybe right. it's an aspect of like, you know, this person can't perceive this color. So they just fill it in with black, but they know something's there where this other person can see something closer to that color range. So it's more so going to be able to see it, even if it is slightly transparent, and then the other aspect of it that I kind of like to throw as an idea, too, is that, uh, you know, with these different types of beings, like maybe they have the ability to project uh, different images to different people. And, uh, you know, if you're going to see maybe whatever you're the most comfortable with, it may not even be them saying right. like, oh, I want to be this for this person, this for this person. But, you know, maybe one person's a little bit more comfortable with just seeing like a dark shadow versus the other person being a little bit more comfortable um, seeing like an apparition when they can actually see it. But again, all of that would kind of bring in the whole idea that it's some form of an intelligent haunting. I don't think those same rules apply as far as like a residual haunting would go, for example. Yeah. Yeah. One of the things that, that we do, uh, especially with public investigations that kind of 
might lend a little evidence toward the, the vibration theory that different people, uh, you know, different frequencies. We do something called a roundtable EVP. And if nobody's ever seen that, we'll get everybody uh, sitting around a circle. We'll put the recorder in the middle. We decide on a question, and everybody asks the same question. And what we found is that there's always one person in the group that will get a response. And so I don't know if it's that vibration or if it's because they only feel comfortable with that person or you, you understand what I'm saying? Yeah. Like maybe they, they can only hear that person because they're on the same vibration. No, that vibrational theory is definitely one that, uh, you know, I want to bring some attention to because you hear about the whole idea of like elevating your vibration and it seems as like everybody's vibration theoretically is like elevating as people are getting more familiar with these concepts and things. It seems like either one, a lot more encounters are coming out because people are more comfortable sharing them now because of just the way the internet's gone and all these different communities have gone. Or the other aspect of it is that everybody's vibration may be changing and we are being able to start to see more, see more of these different types of beings and beings and things that may exist in a parallel dimension or on another side, so to speak, you know, or just beyond the veil, like whatever way you want, kind of want to word it or look at it. <laughs> yeah. I think, uh, I think more people are paying more attention to I think that has a lot to do with it. Um, if you look like during COVID when people were at home, the people that believe in the paranormal actually went up like, a couple of percent um, of people who before didn't necessarily believe in paranormal, but do now because they were home all the time, right. For like a year or two, some people two years with COVID and they had nothing to do. And so they're paying attention to their surroundings more. They couldn't go anywhere. And then also when they went out in nature, they started paying more attention because they're out by themselves or with their dog or whatever, you know? And I think, I think a lot of people just started paying a lot more attention. And, and also I think it, it pairs with a lot of other things like you were saying with like the prevalence of TV and pop culture, it being way more acceptable to tell your story without people telling you you're crazy or, or writing you off. Um, and so I think it's just a, it's an amalgam of all of those things that our, our culture just come along. And it's kind of weird that we've come back around to ghosts in, in high strangeness and paranormal, because if you look back, you know, late 1800s, early 1900s, Victorian era, everybody was into spiritualism and it was, it was its own religion, Mm -hmm. you know, and, and you had all these people doing seances and and things and whether they, a lot of them were frauds and making money or whatever. You had spirit photography and things like that. that were all bogus, but there were a lot of people, even like Harry Houdini and uh, the guy who wrote Sherlock Holmes, I can't think of his name, but um, they were into, you know, ghosts and things and, and death and trying to figure out what happens after us and people trying to develop cameras and things to capture that stuff. And, you know, even Thomas Edison trying to create a, a phone to the dead, you know? And, uh, so it, it was, it's kind of weird that we lost that for 70, 80 years. And then it started coming back around in the nineties, you know? I mean, just an idea to kind of bring in as far as that goes too. It may be because we are moving towards a technological future so now there is more electronic devices around there's more things that these things might be able to potentially use for energy where you know before they're doing like the cold call seances and then time kind of dipped down when everybody started industrializing and stopped paying attention to all those little things because they're just too busy working in factories just doing whatever going about their life 
And then now that COVID and everything happened and just the way the futures progressed as far as like technology being everywhere. Again, I wonder if that kind of upspiked it. And even just kind of a funny thing to think about too. Obviously, a lot of people during the pandemic uh, were traumatized by everything going on too. So sometimes talking about that time loop kind of concept, I wonder if it caused some like residual hauntings and maybe it may not be like a full image residual haunting, but maybe it's people traumatized sitting at home uh, because of all the experiences happening that there's now an upspike in it. And it's going to be funny when like a couple of years from now, people start reporting like these residual hauntings where people are wearing masks and things, for example, you know, walking around the house, pacing up and down the hallway. <laughs> yeah, it's it's interesting with TV. I kind of have a love-hate relationship with TV and the pop culture stuff um, as well, because I think it's been good for the paranormal uh, by bringing it to the forefront and making it more acceptable. But it's really bad for the paranormal because now people think we're going through another satanic panic and because everything's demons on those TV shows because that's ratings and you know, and they don't really represent what we do, so they kind of piss me off in that way because they really don't represent paranormal investigating. Um, and so part of my mission has been trying to educate people on the proper way to, to investigate and and also to make up your own mind and don't believe what TV shows say. Just take them as entertainment. And so, but uh, that's my little rant on the TV shows. I could go longer. I talk shit about Zach Baggins all the time on my shows. No, I talked a lot of shit about the everything being a demon concept because that's definitely not the case. Like, if anything, it's like very, very few and slim in between. I mean, yeah. I definitely think there's like a hierarchy of different types of like beings as far as like the negative vibrations go. Um, but I don't think that people are coming in contact with demons by any means on the regular. And just again, to throw in another theory on why the whole like upspike in the paranormal may be happening as far as like interest and everything goes is that, um, because of everybody waking up, I feel like there's a lot more negative emotion because people aren't happy in life anymore. So all that negative energy could also be causing an upspike in it because I'm sure that's like steroids for, for the paranormal, especially if it's yeah. somebody that was uh, chose to stay in this reality because they you know, knew that they weren't necessarily going to go to heaven, you know, so they'd rather grip onto this reality and stay here than go to some type of like negative energy place, hell, if you want to call it that, whatever, whatever, you know, belief system you fall under, there's a positive place to go and a negative place to go for the most part. So, (laughs) you know, we're going to go to the negative instead of the positive. You might as well just stay where you're at. (laughs) Yeah. 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 I think it's a lot. I think it's a lot of things um, that, that have changed and I've heard for years now, people talking, uh, especially investigators and mediums and things talking about the veil thinning. And, and I'll, I don't know if that's necessarily the case um, because I haven't seen paranormal activity necessarily get stronger. And that's what I would expect to see if the veil was thinning, you know, or whatever we were getting closer to that realm or whatever. Um, I would expect to see more powerful ent- entities kind of like ghostbusters mm-hmm. where they're just kind of blatantly obvious now. But I think, I think it's just people paying more attention. And, and people pay more attention to their own abilities and their own extrasensory um, things that, that we have that, you know, we have more than five senses. Um, our body has lots of senses. You know, you close your eyes and you know where your hands and feet are. How the hell does that happen? <laughs> you know, so, like people are just paying more attention to, to what the, the way they feel and the way their bodies feel and things like that. And I think also, the newer generations, the younger generations are a lot more open as well. Um, I think religion has kind of taken a, a, a dip um, because I know here in the South with, with being in the Bible belt, um, I've heard my entire life growing up that anything to do with the paranormal, it's demons, it's the devil. You stay away from it, you know, 
And so I think the younger generations aren't subscribing to religion and if they are maybe not that deep. And so they're, they're believing more in the paranormal and seeking out more too. Say, I've seen a big up spike where people aren't necessarily following like a certain belief system as far as like Christianity goes, for example. You like, there's people that are now just kind of like reading the Bible as like a group of people and they're not necessarily fitting under any particular category, but you know, they right. believe in what the text says. So they're kind of like trying to look at it from a different light. And those are a lot of the people that are kind of connecting the whole like Nephilim idea and all the other side concepts that kind of go with it. They're like re-entertaining and re-bringing all these things back into the book because now they're not looking at it through the same lens that, you know, like a, like an organized religion wants you to look at it as they're just looking at the text for what it is now. And I'd say there is a down spike in organized religion, but it seems like right now we're in like an amp up where there's a lot more people that are considering the text of the Bible, but not from any specific tribe or group. Right. Right. Yeah. Without a denomination and, and without having somebody, and this is just my opinion. I hate organized religion, but without somebody interpreting it for you, they're making the interpretations themselves and, and understanding it in a way that they understand it. And I think that's great. I think it's great because like I said, I'm agnostic. I'm not, I'm not atheist. Um, I, I've seen way too much shit to not believe in something bigger than us and, and beyond us. Um, and I think people do well with having um, that sense of something beyond us because as an atheist, and I, I'm not saying atheists can't be happy or, or, you know, have a fulfilling life. But I think for me, I just couldn't be atheist because I can't believe in nothing beyond us. Like I could never believe in, you know, we're just fucking here to be here. You know, <laughs> like there has to be some sort of reason why, maybe not some big reason why, not one big answer, but you know, there's, there's, we're not just here and then we're gone. I mean, even if you believe in the whole idea that energy can't be created nor destroyed, so to speak, um, talking about all the different electromagnetic frequencies as far as like paranormal beings go, um, that would be like that release of energy because clearly like your body's magnetic, you have energy in your body. So even if your like physical form dies off and decays, there's still that physical energy that needs to go somewhere and it might just right. exist within like a shape, even if it's not a conscious shape within this reality that we're functioning in. But I mean, there, there's a bunch of different lenses and views to look at it from, but I mean, as far as like how of how I interpret like any religion, so to speak, I feel like there are different views of theoretically like the same type of events that could have been happening. So I kind of feel like um, people might not be able to ever get the full picture if you're staying under one specific group. And I mean, yeah. you know, anybody that is part of any specific group, I'm not talking bad on you by any means, um, you know, just just out of curiosity, you know, just maybe check out some other books. I'm not saying switch anything up just to see if it starts connecting with some of the beliefs that you have. And you might be surprised how much different like connecting theories there are that go through all these different religions. And that's again, why I think it's just different um, cultures, viewpoints of the same theoretical events and maybe even just different times of different events. And I don't know, I feel like there's, there's a lot broader and a picture that connects into all of it than people give, give it credit for. And right. I mean, even at the simplest terms though, like, if, you know, if there isn't anything to it, theoretically, at the simplest terms, you know, people at one point um, were killing each other. I mean, they're still doing it now, but, you know, people were just a lot more like barbaric back in the day. So if somebody came across and basically said like, hey, there's somebody watching you, even when nobody's watching you, you know, you should be good, be good to other people around you. 
I mean, it was it's not it wasn't necessarily a bad thing that it was created. I mean, there's obviously some like corruption within everything, but even if that that's the simplest terms what it was what it ever was. I mean, if that helps people to stay good to other people, then so be it. I'm all yeah. about it. And even just even if you don't believe in anything, at the time that these things were were formed and people started becoming part of an organized religion, I felt like it was needed for society to progress to feel like somebody was watching them even when nobody was around just so that, you know, they weren't the you know awesome person when everybody's around but then they turn into this evil creature when nobody's around and watching them you know yeah 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 and i i respect people for their beliefs and in in the paranormal i want people to make up their own minds like don't don't let me like i'll give you my opinion you know uh, none of us really know there's no such thing as an expert in the paranormal and so i can't prove to you one way or the other i can tell you my stories and I want to hear your stories and I'll never discredit anybody's even saying with the, like I said earlier with the Cardinal thing of like, okay, we think that's your grandmother visiting you. Who am I to tell you wrong? I don't know. Maybe it is, you know, that's just my opinion because I would, I don't want anybody to try to discredit the experiences I've had in my life in the paranormal. So yeah, I would never tell anybody that they're full of it or, you know, you're crazy for because you believe in fairies or the Fae or, you know, there's lots of, weird things in the paranormal that even even kind of like eh, i don't know but also believe in the possibility of all of it because if you believe in one one part of it you kind of gotta at least have a little bit of room in your box for the rest of the craziness in the paranormal world uh the, the word paranormal has kind of been hijacked by the ghost you know hunting investigating realm but it really you know is anything outside the paranormal and so if we're going to investigate it you kind of gotta at least uh dive into some of the other other realms of maybe Bigfoot and, and have the idea that some of these other things are, can be real as well. I mean, I that, believe that ghosts are real, you know, that, that kind of goes into like the whole connecting factor idea too. Cause I was going to say, I mean, the Cardinal thing may be a thing down South, but there's other traditions where they talk about like crows, uh, there's and other different types of like winged beings that, yeah. um, you know, th- spirits theoretically ride on. But I mean, just as far as you brought up, like the Fae, for example, um, you start connecting like the Fae stories with a lot of like abduction stories. And there's a lot of different combining factors, too. And that goes into kind of what I was saying before, that different perspectives will give different views for different things, even though they might be the same exact phenomenon. Um, You know, it's just different perspectives and different interpretations of the best things, trying to put something into words that theoretically can't be put into words. So, I mean, I feel like there's a lot more that combines if people are starting i mean people are starting to look at it now and it's pretty cool that everybody's starting to connect all these different things and you know it's been years that it's been like the paranormal community the cryptic community and then like the ufo community and it seems like everything everybody's starting to slowly come together it may not be you know in the next couple of years but i feel like at some point all of these topics are going to become like this mass organized group of things because people are going to start realizing that all of these things um, are more than likely probably coming from the same place and are just different interpretations of the same types of events happening. Yeah. And if you look at places of high strangers, like, you know, Skinwalker Ranch has been huge here lately with the TV show and stuff, but you have the Bridgewater Triangle, you have um, the Bermuda Triangle, you know, has always been for the longest time, been a big famous thing. But if you look at these specific places, um, even like down in Texas, they have the Dogman Triangle now. There's the Lake Michigan Triangle too. Everybody forgets about that one. That one's yeah. a lot of weird ships have disappeared. A lot of ghost ships too. Yeah, but in, in these places, you typically have every paranormal phenomenon you can think of. You know, from UFOs to Bigfoot, cryptids to ghost, you know, activity. And 
I, th- I think that's fascinating too, that you have these certain places of high strangeness that they just can't, ex- you can't explain because all this phenomena is happening in this one place, in this one place. And it kind of does connect it in a way, like you're saying. And a lot of people are starting to subscribe to that. And the more I've dove into it over the past 20 something years, the more it seems like it's all, it's all connected. Um, there's weird synchronicities and things that, that connect the stuff. And, um, especially when you dive into certain investigations of certain places, you'll see yourself thrown in, in certain directions sometimes, especially if you go back to that place multiple times and investigate multiple times and you'll start getting into more of the weird stuff. Like, like I said, I'm a ghost guy, but I've been to places where they have Bigfoot activity. They'll tell you there's one place up in Kentucky called Octagon Hall that they have all the phenomena you think of. They've filmed UFOs, UAPs, whatever you want to call them nowadays, above Octagon Hall. Uh, people have seen Bigfoot. Uh, they have portals, and they tell you that if you go on the property at night to investigate outside the house, that if you see like a shimmery, like the air is looking shimmery, like stay away from it. They think it's a portal. They don't know what to do to you. <laughs> um, and, you know, all this crazy phenomenon at this one place. And I'm like, I'm just here to investigate ghosts. <laughs> you know, but you kind of get thrown into hey, you got to watch out for this shit too, you know, or if you go, you know, into the woods somewhere to investigate or like a ghost town or something, you know, a lot of those have stories of Bigfoot and, and cryptids and things as well. And so, um, yeah, it just seems like it, it's people, like you were saying, people are understanding that. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. When you visit Arizona, time is measured in moments, not minutes. Like the moment your work stress disappears as you kayak through the canyons. Or the moment you discover the life-changing effects of prickly pear chocolate. But nothing beats the moment you see the Grand Canyon for the very first time. Visit a new state of mind. Learn more at hereyouareaz.com. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? 
Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Um, a lot of this is connected in a way and like with the Fae, you know, the whole Fae thing um, has become a lot more prevalent in the past few years. And, and there's a lot of that folklore that accounts for Bigfoot, you know, for UFOs and, and a lot of those stories. And it's really interesting that, you know, you still have governments that have laws concerning the Fae. Uh, they'll build roads around outcroppings and things because, you know, they're not, they're not going to, they're not gonna fuck around and find out. Yeah, Nor- <laughs> yeah, Norway's heavy about that. Like they, they've been known to like take stuff like a hundred miles into a different direction because they know that there's like a fey area in one particular spot. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And one of the one of the newer newer phenomena that I find interesting is you know I've been like I said I've been doing this for twenty some years. Dogmen were not even on my radar three four years ago. Never really even heard of them. You know, you you see the werewolf movies and things like that and. And like, you know, the mythology of the lycanthrope and, and, and all that. And, and then also in like Native American culture, the dogman and things like that, skinwalker. But now, for whatever reason, the past few years, the dogman has become like this huge thing. And all these people coming out of the woodwork telling their stories about dogman. And it kind of started with the Beast of Bray Road. Mm-hmm. Uh, kind of kicked that into gear. And it's my question is, you know, is it the, the chicken or the egg? You know, which came first? Was it, was it, Dogman already around, or did it? Is it like a tulpa that all these people, because of the consciousness of the beast of Bray Road, now people are creating this beast, and that's why it's coming out of nowhere? I, just a just a thought. <laughs> I mean, a lot of people have the theory about like uh, like Sasquatch and Dogman might be cousins or related. I'm not necessarily going to make that make that call, but. Just another idea to think about, too, if, you know, people weren't reporting stories for a long time up until, like, these forms, these types of communities started to form as far as, like, podcasts and different paranormal groups and everything goes. So I'm curious if dogman encounters have been a thing this entire time, but people haven't talked about them, one, 
or they associated them as a Sasquatch story because talking about like right. looking at something through a specific lens, you know, if you see some type of like, you know, humanoid looking hairy creature coming at you in the woods and you already know about the Sasquatch lore, you're instantly going to associate that with Sasquatch lore. So, right. I mean, maybe the person that had the beast of Bray road experience was the first that like the teared the face away and noticed that the face was more dog like than, you know, the typical Sasquatch idea. But I'm just curious how many dogman encounters may have been lost through time because of one, people just not sharing the stories at the time or two, they got reported as Sasquatch stories and they might be part of like the whole Sasquatch lore concept without us even realizing there was two different creatures because we didn't have a lens to look through it yet. Right. Right. Yeah. And that's why I said the chicken or the egg, like what, have they been around or not? I just find it fascinating that, like I said, with the Beast of Bray Road stuff becoming popular, um, what was her name? She passed away a couple of years ago, or last year from cancer, I believe. Um, was it a uh, Godfrey? Lily right. Godfrey, yeah, yeah, um, and yeah, she. I mean, she took after that newspaper article that she put out. She wrote book after book with eyewitness accounts and and things. And you got other people like the small town monsters just put out another uh, documentary about dogmen. Uh, not so long ago, they did the Dogman Triangle documentary. They just put out another Dogman documentary, and I, and the, it's all people with you know sightings and stories. So I, I just find it fascinating. Um, another thing, and you have all these different things like the. You ever heard of the lumberjack? Um, it's become a thing now. Oh, you're talking about the <laughs> uh, the 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 flannel man? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Say, uh, there's a bunch of different theories on uh, Flannel Man, but just another one I want to kind of throw in there, kind of like going into the whole like Tulpa idea as far as Dogman goes. Uh, Michigan, like the big cryptid for Michigan for the most part, is like the Michigan Dogman, you know, in the Manistee Forest. And it didn't start coming into like the public light until Steve Cook, a radio DJ, like wrote a song about it. And he was just saying, like, he was just writing it for fun. Like, it wasn't from any folklore. He just wrote it off the top of his head. But then after that song came out, people started reporting sightings to him of these dogmen. So either one, it's the Tulpa concept because it was in everybody's mind. Or two, you know, people didn't have a lens to look at it through. And then as soon as they heard this guy talking about this dogman song, they were like, oh, wait, I didn't see a Sasquatch. I saw a dogman. And right. people are talking yeah. about this now, so now I can actually report my story to this person who clearly like has a fascination with it, and that's why I put the song out. Yeah, yeah, I find all that all that really fascinating. Um, I and I don't know. I just posed the question of you know which came first um, because I do find it fascinating, and I find the dogman thing really fascinating. There's lots of credible stories out there, and like I said, like small town monsters doing really good documentaries on that and Bigfoot, and. Um, and I just love how the paranormal is exploding into all these different avenues like that um, of interesting things. Um, Dogman scares the shit out of me. Um, I don't know why anybody would out the woods. I'm fascinated, like but I'd never want to meet one face to face. So I'm with you there. <laughs> but at the same time, though, I probably still would be dumb enough to go into the Manistee looking for one. But the second I see one, like I'm not trying to <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm booking it and I'm going to make sure I bring some meat with me to just throw in the bag as I'm running away, you know? <laughs> Yeah, and I I had somebody ask me a while back, um, why don't why don't you go out and investigate, you know, Bigfoot? I'm like, because I want to live. <laughs> you know, I'm not trying to get killed by Bigfoot. And also, I'm not a camper. Like, I'm just not. I grew up. I grew up as a little country kid in the woods, and I'm comfortable in the woods. But at night, there's things in there that can kill me. I mean, around here we have mountain lions, and now we've got black bear moving in the middle of Tennessee. So, 
no, I'll leave the things in the woods. I mean, we have packs of coyotes and things like that. So, and that little fabric tent that you feel safe in, I don't feel safe in sleeping in that, you know, so uh, Bigfoot can drag me out and I always think of uh, the scene from um, one of the, uh, one of the Jason movies where he, pulls the chick out in the sleeping bag and beats her up against a tree. That's what I always think is going to happen. You know, Bigfoot's going to pull me out and <laughs> beat me up against a tree. Dude, there's a bunch of Bigfoot stories of him messing with tents, like throwing stuff at the tents, lifting up the tents, like breathing on top of the tent. And then there yeah. was even that, like, I don't know the exact guy's name, but it was like an old Bigfoot story. Um, like, I think technically it would have been like pre like Patterson Gimlin film era um, about this guy who basically got like picked up in his tent or in his sleeping bag. Yeah. He got carried away and then they supposedly were like trying to like make him part of their family. And he ended up uh, like the big <laughs> Bigfoot, the, the father figure, he ended up giving him some of his like chew tobacco to get him to like throw up and then took the opportunity to take off and run. Like I'm sure I'll end up covering it at some point on my other show, but that one's still like, that's, that's like that no go story. Like this dude literally got carried yeah. off and they were trying to make him like their, uh, their, they're I, I'm hoping not like sex slave rather a family member but either way like I'm I'm, I'm good on both of those <laughs> yeah yeah I've heard that story before um yeah and that guy had a gun and everything and he just never had an opportunity to use it he said he was yeah, worried that it wouldn't have been strong enough too because I think he only had like a he didn't have anything like super powerful on him and after he saw the size yeah. of these things he was like I'm just gonna piss it off if I shoot it <laughs> yeah yeah but I, I'm just like man yeah the cryptozoologists y'all have some going out and hunting those scary monsters. You know, like even Mothman. You know, those people go out to the TNT area up there and and that place is creepy in and of itself. And then you throw in Mothman and the hauntings up there. Yeah, it's just weird. That might be a two for one. There's a lot of people that kind of put Mothman into the like paranormal community too. And then there's yeah. the other side of it too with like the whole like Ravenmacher concept as far as like native lore goes that a lot of people think that this is like something that's been talked about forever and it was just that, you know, we had to see it in present day and then put another name on it. But if you connect the stories with like Ravenmachers, it sounds like it fits the same category. Yeah, there, there's a lot of stuff in, in Native American folklore that's like that. I mean, Bigfoot is huge in Native American folklore. They just kind of accepted that they were real and, you know, uh, went on about their business. It wasn't even a question. You know, in certain uh, certain parts of um, not all Native American cultures, I think most of them have some sort of Bigfoot, Sasquatch uh, type of creature that's in their folklore. But I know out here, like the Cherokee, were huge with, with Bigfoot. It was just known that they, you know, coexisted and they were just creatures of the forest. But they also believed that they were had one foot like in the spirit realm and one foot in our realm. So they gave them some sort of supernatural. Abilities as well, which some people think, you know, with Bigfoot being able to disappear and things like that. And they call it the woo, I guess, in that community. <laughs> um, they got a lot of infighting about the woo versus if it's real and whatever. But um, yeah, I find the Native American stuff fascinating because, you know, it's just it, those stories were around back then and we're still having people's sightings today. So there's got to be something to it. You know, a whole culture of people believe that these things are real and they coexisted with them. And now we have people citing them. So, yeah, I find that, that interesting. Yeah, I think that's probably like the deepest rooted American folklore, like by far, because it's not just rooted in like native culture. It's also rooted in like white culture. And that's where like the yeah. deterring of the name kind of comes in is that like, uh, you know, the natives, of course, would call them things like Sasquatch. And there's the whole theory that I've heard a lot of people say that they didn't just like put mythical creatures into like totem poles. They only did like physical 
beings that were like in this yeah. reality. So like that's where a lot of people kind of use as like a jumping off point to talk about Sasquatch and like Thunderbirds, for example. Um, but as far as like white culture goes too, like all the settlers and everything coming, the whole term Bigfoot actually came from a group of loggers that found a giant footprint and it was a big foot. Yeah. And then they started calling it Bigfoot. And then that's like the, the, I guess new age, like white people being in America's concept for it too. So it's like, it's rooted in not in multiple aspects of American folklore and like through the different layers of American folklore. And then not even just in America, but around the world, realistically, it's just the most rooted here, I think. And like Australia, for example, are like the two main areas where I feel like this stuff gets talked about the most. And I mean, I might as well even throw, it's not the same construct as far as like eight being goes, but like the stone apes and like Vietnam, but those are, you know, supposed to be like little small, things that throw rocks they're not like the the 10 foot creatures but you know you hear like the australian lore and the american lore and they seem like they're they're pretty damn similar for the most part yeah and then like uh, talking about the different vernacular for for bigfoot here in tennessee before the term bigfoot came around uh it was known as the tennessee wild man and i've actually actually found a newspaper article from the 1830s i believe um from middle of nowhere tennessee a little small like town but they were serious when they wrote in this newspaper like after dark, you know, keep your women and children off the streets because the Tennessee wild men would come and snatch them up and take them away. And, um, there was also like uh, reports of the Tennessee wild men coming to this town, like killing dogs and things at night and livestock. And so they very much, even back then, the 1820s, 1830s, they believed, you know, they, they just, they wrote it in the newspaper. It wasn't a joke in the newspaper. You know, it was real. Dude, there's a real threat to them. There's a lot of stuff that's like layered down that people not e might not even realize is like Sasquatch lore until you are familiar with what Sasquatch lore is because it's like, you know, everybody's kind of heard of the term as far as Michigan goes, like the Dewey Lake monster. But unless you're actually like into the topic, you don't realize that the Dewey Lake monster is a Sasquatch that was like seen in yeah. a lake, for example, or like the Ohio Grassman wasn't a Grassman, it was like a Sasquatch, you know. And um, there's just all this different like connecting different names for it even within american folklore like i mean even you got like uh like uh the booger you hear booger all the time that one's used pretty wood, wood pretty booger. often yep and then there's uh yeah. wild men uh there's uh stone apes like there's there's so many different names for it even within american folklore too yeah <laughs> like past like the, the yeah, native folklore well and that's where the boogeyman comes from from appalachia they called them wood boogers and then it got changed to boogeyman um, when people were telling their kids the boogeyman's going to come get you, they used to tell their kids the wood booger's going to come get you, and it got somehow changed to boogeyman. Um, but in, in the talking about all the different names, um, the weirdest one I've heard uh, is called the Albert Witch. I haven't heard that somewhere, one before. Somewhere up north, and I don't remember what state it is, but it's basically just Bigfoot. <laughs> they call it the Albert Witch, and that was just their local term for that creature. Um, so yeah, I find it. Bigfoot fascinates me probably more than uh, other than ghosts, you know, and that Bigfoot is probably the one thing that fascinates me a lot more. Say that's probably my number one as far as stuff that I look into goes. And uh, not to not to get caught up on Sasquatch, I can go on this stuff for hours, but even like in Alaska, there's like 10 different names for different types of Sasquatch beings just in that state, in that area. But uh, I guess kind of bringing it back towards the paranormal because that's more so like your field that you like to stay in and everything too. Um, I know you shared a couple of your experiences, but you know, your most interesting experiences, I'd love to hear some of those. And uh, considering that you've been doing your show for a while and you've had a lot of awesome guests that have come on, that have come on um, you know, if you have any of those stories that um, you might remember off the top of your head of like the most fascinating you've heard, I'd love to hear uh, kind of like your collection of some of your best paranormal stories. 
I think for me, one of the most interesting things that has ever happened to me happened when I was 18 or 19 and I first started working in the medical field. And before we started recording, I was telling you I worked in the medical field for 20 years and now I do the podcast full time and I do paranormal full time for a living. But, um, that's awesome. By the way, I just want to throw that in that you did that for that (laughs) long. And they just, I have a lot of respect for people that are able to do that because that's such a high pressure, stressful job considering that you see people at their worst. You see people, you know, kids, you know, just completely like not, (laughs) it's just hard to even imagine like the things that you've seen doing that kind of stuff. So just a lot of respect to you, man, for doing it for as long as you did and taking care of, I'm sure as many people as you did. Thank you. Thank you. I started out as a nurse tech and then eventually for 15 years, the the past 15 years before I retired a couple of years ago, I worked on the ambulance as a medic and in the ER as a medic. But um, when I first started out in medicine, my first job, I went and took um, nurse tech classes at a local nursing home and they're giving them for free because there's kind of a shortage on CNA, CNTs, whatever you want to call them. And they're kind of the ones in the nursing home that help the, you know, they change diapers and change beds and they kind of help the nurses do their job. And so I went to these classes at this nursing home and they offered me a job. So I went to work there and you know, I'm, I'm 18, 19 trying to start a new career. So I'm not really thinking about the paranormal, um, but I got to work in this place and they put me in the oldest part of the building, which was built in the 1940s. And this wing of the building had always been a nursing home from the time it was built. So there's no telling between 1940 and this was 2001, 2002, how many people have died in this place. And pretty much off the bat, started having paranormal experiences because I worked night shift and we were on a lockdown unit. So you had to put a code in to get the doors because we had Alzheimer's patients when, you know, you don't want them wandering off and having open doors and things. So on the night shift, I worked with one other nurse tech and then we had a nurse. So there's only three of us in this entire hallway. And the only light that we ever kept on was the, in the hallways, because the patients are all asleep, was the light at the nurse's station. And so it kind of looked like a horror movie. It, you like uh, you ever seen Halloween? That was exactly what I was thinking. That yeah. that scene in Halloween where it's just the one light on, everything's pitch black, and he's just yeah. like lurking around in the dark. <laughs> yeah, and we would walk around in the dark, me and my partner, because we would go in and we would do rounds every two hours and check our patients to make sure if they need their diaper changed or, you know, we had patients we had to get up and take them to the bathroom things like that. And so we just go around every two hours and check on all our patients, but we would do it in the dark because you don't want to turn the light on and wake the other patients up in the room when you're, you know. Um, need to just deal with one patient. So, um, but you would hear footsteps behind you, walking behind you. There's nobody behind you in the hallway. Uh, we would hear doors opening and closing, and nobody would ever come into like our wing um, of the building. And we were separated from the modern part of the building by a huge dining room and like all the physical therapy. Well, phys- physical therapy's not there at night, so that's all shut up. So we were we were pretty far away from anybody else in the building. Well, one night. Um, the other nurse tech and the nurse went on lunch. And this is about three in the morning, two thirty, three o'clock. Witching hour. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I'm on the floor by myself and all the patients are in the bed and I'm sitting in the nurse station kind of charting and I get up just to walk around. So I'm not falling asleep. You know, it's in the middle of the night, um, walk around, check on patients. And, and I wasn't scared, like whatever. And I get up uh, to this T in the hallway. So I come around the nurse's station and then it tees off and goes to the left and to the right. And I look down the longest part of the hallway, which is to the left. And there was a really tall, skinny, younger guy in a black suit standing at the end of the hallway. And I could see him because lights were coming in the double doors at the end of that hallway from the parking lot. And he smiled at me and it wasn't creepy. I didn't, 
I thought it was a real person. It wasn't creepy. It didn't creep me out. And turned to his left and walked into the patient room. So I'm like, what, what is this? What the hell's going on? There should be nobody else, you know, in here. There's no visitors, no nothing. You know, visiting hours are over, my friend. What are you doing? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so thinking it's a real person, I walk down there and go into the room and turn the light on, and the guy's never to be found. Um, there were two. There were two patient beds on each side, and it's a huge room. And in the middle was a bathroom. And I turn the light on, and it's four women in that room, and they're on the bed. And so I'm like, what, in, what, what is going on? So the nurses, the, the nurse and the other tech come back from lunch, tell them what I saw. They kind of blew it off. And, and they were conscious of the paranormal, but they were just kind of, yeah. Uh, the nurse told me, the nurse was like in her 70s, the LPN I worked with. And she, when I asked her about the paranormal, uh, she was like, oh, honey, that just you know kind of happens here. And they just kind of blew it off. It was just something they kind of ignored, I guess. Or you so just get so about, used to it. <laughs> right. So I told them about the men I saw, and they just thought, whatever, you're crazy. And so um, the next morning, I go home at 7 o'clock when I get off. And when I come back the next night, one of the ladies in that room had died. And unexpectedly. Like, had Alzheimer's, but not, you know, no other health issues. And um, so I've always called that story the angel of death. But we also had a patient on the same hallway who was in stage Alzheimer's. So you couldn't have a conversation with her or anything. Like she wouldn't answer questions. But she would start yelling about the man in the corner. And whenever she started yelling about the man in the corner, somebody would die. And that was just kind of a known thing about everybody that worked there. Even on up to like the management. Uh, it would get around, oh, you know, Miss So-and-so is yelling about the man in the corner. And she, this lady's like deathly afraid of the man in the corner. And so I always wondered if those two things were correlated. So is the guy that I saw, is he the man in the corner, like the angel of death, you know, type or death, you know, and that's why she's afraid of him. And is that the same guy that I saw? That was exactly honestly where my mind was going that, especially because he didn't give you like a scary vibrant energy. Like a lot of people have like the standard image of like what the grim reaper or like death would be. Yeah. But like, I see that more as like a, like a positive passenger in a way. Like, yes, he is bringing, not necessarily bringing death, but he's supposed to be the one that like tells you, or like, it's going to be okay. Like, this is where we need to go. So you wouldn't assume that that person would be anything like scary because otherwise you wouldn't want to go with it. Assumably it would be just like a proper, you know, gentleman in like a suit, for example, with like a smile, just saying like, we can go this way. Like everything's going to be okay. You know? And of course, like with the whole idea of like what that brings, it horrifies people. And that's when they start creating these like devilish or skeleton looking pictures of like what this thing would be. But like, I, I don't think it would actually look like that by any means. And just kind of connecting in with like what she was saying too, like the random footsteps, things like that, that were happening there. Um, if people are close to passing on, um, you know, they kind of talk about this whole idea where they're like one foot in both realities at that time. And, uh, sometimes I'm kind of curious if like the, the consciousness might like leave the body when, uh, some of these people are like sleeping, especially when they start getting like that far in and that close to, uh, passing on that it may not necessarily be like patients that are still lingering around, but rather like the current patients, like in between realities starting to shift and move over. Yeah. Yeah, and the thing about this guy is it, the smile that he gave me, and he was, like I said, tall, uh, slender, good-looking guy in a black suit, all black suit, and it looked like the smile that he gave me was like, oh, he can see me. 
type of, you know what I'm saying? Like, that's how I took it, I guess. That's how I've thought about it over the years. It kind of looked like he, he popped in, maybe, like, came in through the double doors, you know, and I caught him, you know, <laughs> at the right time. But it was kind of like a cheeky smile of, yeah, um, oh, you can see me type shit, you know. I mean, maybe so, he wanted you to see him just so that it was like yeah. you you heard the stories of him being there. And maybe this was like an intentional thing, too, because you had the woman that was talking about that person. You know, maybe he intentionally tried to show himself to you one time so that you'd be like, you know, I want you to think about this because I know that you're into this kind of weird stuff. Like may, maybe yeah. this guy might kind of get the idea and he'll realize that I'm not something evil here to like hurt people but just from her perception it makes it sound like it's this big scary thing but i'm not this big scary guy i'm the one that's holding their hands and helping them pass right. on to where they need to go <laughs> right yeah we had lots of weird stuff there uh i worked in other nursing home had weird stuff too but not anything that weird um that was like the, the, especially being 18 and, and experiencing that was definitely a big uh I don't know, kind of eye-opener, made me think about the paranormal in a different way, I guess. And uh, maybe, I guess, kind of kicked me into believing even more into the afterlife and, and things like that. Yeah, getting to see it firsthand, especially at such a young age, too, it kind of, like, sets a pace for, like, the rest of your life as far as, like, how, how open-minded you're going to be. And, uh, I mean, same as anything, though, it's always good to be, like, a skeptic about anything because that's, you know you're going to blindly believe anything if you're too far into something, you know, it's good to be like a healthy skeptic, kind of like we were talking about in the beginning, but you know, experiences like that, it's kind of hard just to like toss out. It brings the, brings it in that there is something there that needs to be investigated. Um, but without going too far off the deep end and being like, Oh no, every single thing is a ghost, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And and like we were talking about, there's too many people that, that do that now, even people that call themselves investigators, um, just jumping into everything is, is paranormal and, and going in and, and I don't do private investigations anymore. They're, they're really complex and, and for the most part, they're just pain in the ass. Um, so I commend all the investigators out there that do and that are good at it. And I have some friends that do, and that's all they do is private investigations and help people in that way. Um, but you also have other investigators out there who don't know what they're doing. They're going in and messing things up that other people have to come behind them and clean up their messes because they're telling people their houses are, you know, there's a demon there and all this other stuff. And, you know, they're getting into territory and messing with things they have no reason to be messing with because they don't know what they're doing. Just and starting to make like stuff said, more mad. <laughs> yeah. Well, and like I said, none of us are experts, but a lot of us have a lot more experience in dealing with things and, and dealing with people, uh, especially with, you know, hearing stories over the years and, and things like that and talking to people about the paranormal in the general public, I think, just give you a sense of how to deal with people. Um, especially in their own homes when they're scared and they're turning to you for help, you know, and, and, and also having a vast network of people that you've met over the years and that you trust saying, Hey, I can't do anything to help you, but I can call in, you know, father, whoever, or, you know, whatever your religion is, I'm calling, you know, this pagan witch or this medium, you know, to come and, and do deal with your issue um, to where as I come in and, and document evidence and, so yeah, this is what we're dealing with and try to figure out why they're there. But um, I'm definitely not the person to come in and get rid of it for you. Kind of a funny thing to think about. That makes you wonder if there's different types of, well, of course there's different types of beings, but if there's different like rule sets for like different types of beings. And that's why, you know, for this particular haunting, there might, it might work better with like a priest. And then this specific one, it might work better with like a witch is maybe it's not so much that it's like the, the person's, 
belief system, you know, that that's the, the homeowner, but rather like different types of entities and different rule sets based on, on those entities, depending on like what, what dimension they came from or like where, where, where their existence started from, like different sets of rules. I think one of the things I've seen over the years in investigating all the cases and doing private investigations, I think that intention has a lot to do with a lot of it. So um, I think your intention going into a place, um, if you, if you're going to pull a Zach Baggins and be disrespectful, I think you're going to get disrespectful. Right. And if you go in and I think they already know your intention when you come to the door, I, I think they just know off the bat when you come to the door, if you're a respectful person, uh, you come in the door and that's what you're there for is just communicate. I don't think you're going to get the demonic or the evil or the asshole spirits as much as you're going to get the, the more positive ones. That's kind of been my experience. And I think when it comes to helping people as well, I think there is a little bit of the, the homeowners. If you're trying to help a homeowner out, I think it does come down to a lot to their, uh, a little bit, at least to their religion. So if they, you know, they're Catholic you're going to want to bring in a Catholic priest because that's what they believe in. And I think a lot of that, how do I put this? When I say intention also mean like the energy that you're putting out to clear out something, I think has to match up. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, it makes it's complete like, sense. Cause it's also like the intention of the people that are, that are in the yeah. house that are going to keep yeah. it away by keeping that positive mindset and making it so it's not giving it energy to keep feeding and keep continuing on doing what it's doing. Yeah. If you bring it, you know, you bring a, a pagan witch in to a Catholic household, I don't think you're going to get results, you know, the same results as you are if you bring a Catholic priest in and kind of, you know, um, because that's what they believe in. And so that's the energy they're putting out to get rid of this thing and, and whatever it is. And I'm not talking some, some things are you, you'll never get rid of. And I don't know why I think uh, some of the stuff was never living to begin with, um, whether, you know, you want to call them elementals or demons or whatever, um, you know, I've, I've been doing this for 20 some years. I hate the term demon just because the way it's used, but uh, I've been doing this for 20 some years. Never come across a demon that I can ever remember. Come across an asshole spirit <laughs> um, that were not very nice. And, and my motto has kind of become if you're an asshole in life, probably gonna be an asshole in death. So, you know, come across some nasty spirits want to cuss you and, you know, scratch you and hit you and things like that. But, um, also, it's a, it's, I've also figured out that a lot of it is what you allow them to do, too. So you can kind of take their power away from them by saying, I'm not scared of you and you're not going to do anything to me. You know. See, I was kind of thinking on the opposite side of the spectrum from that, that if you mislabel something, not saying that we necessarily know what all these things are like particularly are labeled, but, you know, yeah. say you have like a standard haunting and you start calling it a demon. I wonder if that like gives that thing more energy or then it boosts its confidence, so to speak, that, you know, it's the same as like somebody rocking around calling you like boss or acting like you're always in charge or something. You're going to be like, yeah, you know, like I, <laughs> I can do this. What are you talking about, man? I, I am the boss, right, you know? Right. So if you just have some like little menacing little spirit, you know, and then you start calling him a demon, it's going to be like, Ooh, they think I'm a demon. I wonder what I can get away with now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I think there's lots of tricks or elements out there like that. I think there are, there are spirits out there that do things like that, that maybe play into your worst fear, you know? So maybe if you're deathly afraid of clowns, it's going to show itself to you as a clown, you know, just to scare you more. I mean, that gets into um, the whole energy vampire concept, too, because it's like the more energy yeah. they take in, the stronger they could theoretically get. So they may come in just some little thing. And then once you start feeding them energy, they just keep getting bigger and bigger and having more abilities because they're just taking more energy in. 
Yeah, yeah, and I think they figure out how to do different things too. I think the longer they're around, you know, maybe they. It's kind of like the movie Ghost, you know, trying to figure out how to move objects. You know, it takes a lot of energy, but I think it takes them a long time to to maybe figure it out and master something like that. In our, because they're crossing over from their realm to ours in a way, and they got to figure out how to make the two work together. See, I wonder if that's why a lot of people don't see like modern day ghosts is because they're like the newbies. They haven't even learned how to like show their image or how to do anything yet. Right. And maybe the reason why there's that time lapse and you see like 1800s ghosts is because when you've been in the ghost realm for 200 years in the earth world, which may only be maybe like a year in the, in the spirit realm, you know, then, uh, then you're able to like figure out how to like manifest and like show yourself. But I mean, that could be where like that stage kind of comes in that people only see ghosts that are like roughly 200 years prior is because maybe that period is like where you learn how to actually have some of just the most basic abilities to make it so that you can be seen in this realm. I do know of, I think the reason that we, that we come across, the more the older like 1800s and and beyond you know and before that uh spirits is because i think that's where we investigate the most right um i do know of plenty of modern day intelligent hauntings from modern day spirits um one of the most famous ones is probably in new orleans it's a it's a huge true crime story where dude went crazy above a voodoo shop he went crazy and killed his girlfriend, chopped her up. They found her in the oven or something. And um, it was an apartment above a voodoo shop. So people think that maybe the voodoo priestess or something, you know, caused him to do that and all that. And then uh, when he knew that he was going to get caught, he killed himself. And, um, and this is a big, you can look up true crime. The, I, can't, I forget his name. His name is Brian something. Was that the That's rapper? Cause there was like a rapper that did something along those lines. I forgot he what he called him. Called himself though. He might have been, but um, but like the even um, what's the name of the band? There's a band that wrote a song called Voodoo Shop that was actually a hit for them. Um, I can't think of the name. They they're a '90s band. They did the song Jenny Says, but a uh, really catchy song. But anyway, <laughs> um, they did a song talking about living upstairs from the Voodoo Shop, and uh, and it was about that. And then like um, I talked, I had Katrina Wadman on my show. And uh, they went there, her and Jack went there for, no, her and Nick went there when she was on uh, Paranormal Lockdown. And they did a lockdown there. And she said that's one of the cases that affected her the most because it was so recent. And when she saw, like, pictures of these people, she said it really affected her because they were wearing the same clothes that she wore when she was their age. And she was around their age. You know what I'm saying? And then so it really hit home to her. See, I wonder if it's because it's so traumatic that it's able to like manifest itself faster. Like it's a stronger spirit or energy to begin with. Um, Maybe that's kind of where it comes in is that it's maybe more present day if it's a lot more traumatic because there's more energy for it to start with. Yeah. Um, I know of another case at a private residence. um, And I'm not going to say where because I'm only giving you it away because family still lives in the area. But of a kid who killed himself when I was in high school and I've heard stories of people that live in that house now that he's still around and um actually a paranormal investigator lived in the house so she made contact with him through evps and things and they saw him and um that just happened in the late 90s you said it was a traumatic story though right like a like a yeah, high energy I mean, traumatic story 
suicides. Oh, so there's even like the residual energy that's left from the family itself and like all the family grieving in the home in the yeah. home too, which probably unintentionally gives more negative energy to the spirit in order for it to be able to like manifest or show itself. Or, you know, maybe all of that creates more, um, like maybe another way we could kind of look at this thing is that maybe like the energy always exists around us to begin with. And when you have more like electromagnetic energy into the air, then that's when these things are able to manifest. And maybe, you know, you're letting energy release when you're feeling negative emotions and it's almost creating like a, like a screen, so to speak, like in the space yeah. that you're in and in turn, then it's able to take that energy from that screen and be able to show it or manifest itself. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and maybe also when it's traumatic like that, like a, like a suicide or um, like in both those cases being, being suicides, maybe because it's so traumatic and it happens so fast, maybe it's just like a automatic kind of imprint on the environment. You know what I'm saying? Because there's so much energy and emotion and then blam, you know, the body's dead. Maybe Did those seem like they were more intelligent hauntings or more like residual? Cause I mean, residual, those are just might've been residual off the bat because they're so traumatic. Uh, both of those are intelligent hauntings. Oh wow. So that's like a one that kind of side tears a little bit then. I mean the voodoo shop, yeah. I mean, there's a lot of like the weirdness that goes with voodoo shops to begin with. Like I feel like that place it's pretty much happened in a place where it's just steroids for that kind of stuff to begin <laughs> with. But the other one in yeah. the family home, assumably if the family still live there after all of that happened, like they're they just did. constantly just, Oh, okay. So yeah, they weren't yeah. just feeding energy in, but there was still that time that they were grieving while they were there until they sold the house. I'm sure that they fed right. a lot of energy into it. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, yeah, they sold the house not long after that happened because he was 17. Oh yeah. I wouldn't be able to live in that house either. It's just one of those things. Every time you turn a corner, you just memories are there, even if you're not seeing an apparition. Yeah. So, um, but I know of other like modern day hauntings. Um, I don't, I don't think they're as rare as people think. That's kind of the point I was getting at with all that roundabout long story. Well, I'm glad you brought it up and I'm glad you shared stories because this is like a common discussion that I have on the show and not a lot of people can really like bring up like modern day, uh, yeah. paranormal investigations where it is pop like modern day things that have happened. So you're one of the first to come on the show and then, and, and you didn't just share the theory, but you actually had some stuff to back it up. So, I mean, even if you have more, I'd love to hear them because I don't, I don't get this very often. Yeah, I think um, hospitals are one that you have more recent people as well. Um, and to the point that I know of uh, two hospitals here in Tennessee, one is Old South Pittsburgh in South Pittsburgh, Tennessee, down towards Chattanooga. And then one is uh, Old Harriman Hospital out towards Knoxville. And they're owned by the same guy. And he opens them up for um, paranormal teams to come in. And they do fundraisers for people and things like that. But um, you can rent the places out and go and investigate them. And both of those, they are very, they have a, they have a video policy that if you come in and feel like you're a YouTuber, cause they're, they're two fairly famous locations. If you're a YouTuber and come in and you want to film a video there, you have to sign a contract with them that they get to see the film before you put it up, before you put it out on YouTube or anything, because they've had so many people put out bullshit about this demon doctor, you know, and there's demons in this hospital and all this other stuff. We well, still have people that live in that community that were born there. Their grandmother died there. You know what I'm saying? And they don't want to be seeing this shit about there's demons in this you know, hospital. It's disrespecting the people that are trying yeah. to just pass right. on there, you know? Yeah. And so, and, and the doctor that they were talking about, and this actually happened. That's why they, they did the, uh, the video, uh, thing that they have now, the contract video sign if you're filming, but, um, 
I mean, the doctor that they see in there, he like worked there in the eighties and nineties. Like, you know what I'm saying? Um, so these hospitals, both of them were open up until the early two thousands. And so, um, yeah, some of the people in there, you know, they, they're from modern times. They're not a lot of that person. They see are from modern times. They're not from 200 years ago. Um, another place is Waverly Hills. Ooh, yeah, that you one. Know, I mean, that's 80, 90 years ago, but that's still more recent, you know, than, than we think of like civil war goes and, and things like that. See, so many different hospitals have the like doctor trope going on with them. I often wonder if it's, um, like a mix of different things that maybe there actually was one specific doctor that used to do weird things at this place. Or if some of these things are like a collection of stories that there's been multiple doctors who have done messed up things during the year and people just start combining the folklore into like one character. And once they do that, then you have the whole different idea of like you're manifesting some into something into the area that may not have been there in the first place because you're just combining all these stories within local folklore. Yeah, I think there's some, I think there's a lot of that with the urban legend folklore stuff. Um, I think that majority of like, like with old South Pittsburgh with Harriman hospital for all intents and purposes, they were modern hospitals. So you didn't have barbaric practices or anything like that. I think some of these people like the doctor that's talking about old South Pittsburgh. I think that he was just a doctor who loved what he did. And the person that they think, and they, they'll tell you who they think he is. Um, but he was like a, a hard doctor, like a cardiologist or something. And he, if I'm not mistaken, I don't want to get the history wrong. If I'm not mistaken, he died in the hospital, um, at the hospital that he worked at. And he was like older. He was like 60 or 70. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. So he worked there for a long, long time. So maybe he just loved where he worked and what he did. And that's why he's still there, you know? Yeah. And then people just create all of these like ghost stories around yeah. it, because especially if you're like a heart doctor, you know, there's two different outcomes to any type of like heart surgery, you know, and that's like a very hard line. So, I mean, yeah. you know, say you, you operated on a thousand people in the time that you're at the hospital, but 10 of those people didn't make it through. Those stories are going to be the ones that get to remembered, not the 90 that were successful. And in turn, it's going to have this like folklore aspect that kind of comes into where people start expanding on these stories and creating all of this like yeah. horror around it. And once the doctor's not there to actually like say, explain his side of the story, you know, 10 years pass on, uh, high school kids that don't know the doctors that are currently working at the hospital. They're not talking to them and sharing the stories. They just create this whole new aspect of folklore based off of somebody that wasn't, wasn't necessarily doing anything bad, but it yeah. was just, again, those 10 times that somebody didn't make it. And then it takes on a life of its own. Well, and it's also funny uh, talking about Waverly Hills. Um, like I know the Mattingly's who own it, Tina and Charlie, they're awesome people. Uh, I've been to Waverly Hills. I'm hoping to go back here soon. Um, that place, people think that it was some sort of insane asylum. It was not. It was a tuberculosis sanatorium. And they get sanatorium and sanitarium mixed up. Sanatoriums were for tuberculosis patients. And um, they did things that sound barbaric to us nowadays to try to help cure tuberculosis. But it wasn't like some evil scientist in the basement torturing people. Like, you know, they were taking out half of a lung because they thought that would cure you or they were doing this or that, you know. But if you look at the history and there's still nurses alive today that worked at Waverly Hills um, because it was opened up until the seventies when we found a cure for tuberculosis. And so there's still people who had family that was in Waverly Hills with tuberculosis. And from all the, the real history, the people were very well taken care of there. It was a very nice facility, you know, and the doctors and nurses cared about what they were doing. 
and the doctors didn't see what they were doing as barbaric because they weren't carving people up. But then you get that, you know, the place fell into disrepair when it closed and you have people sneaking in and urban exploring. You got homeless people living in there, you know, with old medical equipment. And so you start to get these urban legends and this folklore around this building. And then you got people that misinterpret sanitarium for sanatorium, you know, and, and get the two mixed up. And they think it was in the same asylum when it wasn't. And, and so you start getting all these things because of movies and, and other, you know, actual insane asylums where they were doing nasty things to people. And so you, you build this whole folklore that they still battle to this day at Waverly Hills. Uh, when they tell you the history, you know, people go and take tours and they still have this idea that this was this barbaric place to have this horrible history because tens of thousands of people died there over the course of it being open. But that was because tuberculosis killed that many people. It wasn't because of these experiments doctors were doing, you know, people dying of tuberculosis. I was going to say too, and that's just a, that, that was a super traumatic time to begin with anyway. So just imagine all the residual hauntings caused by people doing the right thing just because of yeah. like how fast that got you and how, how many people died from it realistically all in one place. Right. It just starts creating this like concentration of energy, even if it isn't necessarily like people getting operated on, it's still a lot of trauma all in one place. And eventually it's just going to start outpouring past that. And then once people see one, one apparition walk down the hallway, even if it was somebody that had the best possible treatment, they just ended up dying from tuberculosis. They're just going to create the stories around it. Even again, looking at it from the more paranormal side. Well, and if you look back, tuberculosis was not a good way to die. They called it consumption for a reason because it consumed you. You know, people, people shrank down to skin and bones because they just slowly died from, you know, not being able to breathe. And it, was, it wasn't a fast disease. It wasn't fast killing. It was very slow. And so a lot of people just wasted away until they died. And so you'll have, you know, just that type of suffering. And there's nothing anybody could do for them. You know, they were doing the best they could, uh, trying to figure out how to cure it. Um, just putting all that pain and suffering into the atmosphere is going to, yeah, yeah, create residual uh, hauntings. And when you walk into Waverly Hills, you can just feel the energy and it's not a negative energy and, and most of the spirits in there aren't negative at all. Most of them are very uh, playful and want to interact with people. It seems, um, but you can feel this thick energy that I think comes from the pain and suffering of the people, thousands of people that were there, you know? Um, See, I wonder if a lot of those are like children's spirits, for example. And the reason why they're so playful is because they didn't get to play as a child. So that's like their, not necessarily like unfinished business, but <laughs> the reason why they're staying here is because they just want to be able to like stay in play, so to speak. Yeah. And there is one famous uh, child spirit up there and I forget his name, but uh, one of the hallways you can, uh, he'll roll a ball back and forth with you. Oh, that's the, the red ball thing, right? That everybody yeah. talks about. Yeah. And I've actually seen the ball roll on its own for no reason. Yeah. Uh, when, when we ask it to. So um, yeah, there's some, there's some kids here stay here, playful kid spirits but um especially if you talk to tina and charlie they live there in an apartment they built an apartment in waverly hills that's where they live and they'll tell you that you know that not that they haven't been scared you know because you're seeing you know crazy shit sometimes but um that for the most part they love that place and that you know they feel like the spirits love them and the fact that they've cleaned it up they think that the spirits are are grateful that the history is being kept alive and their memory in a way you know, that their memory is not lost to just history, you know, just another person that died of tuberculosis. And I mean, especially like going into the kids aspect of it too. Um, like 
adults, not saying they have life figured out or anything like that, but kids especially, you know, they're just kind of existing in the moment and they don't really like understand necessarily like what's happening around them. So when you have these like traumatic deaths and a kid passes away, you know, they may not again, understand what's happening. So they may stay here, not intentionally like, you know, because I have unfinished business or anything like that, but just because they don't understand the aspect of existence that they're in. So they just end up sticking around because they, you know, assume that if they stay here, the, their mom and dad or something might come back, something like that. And then you have people like that, that end up coming through and they clean the place up and everything. And more often than not, I'm kind of curious if when you have these types of locations where there's a lot of known child spirits and somebody cleans up the place, if they start seeing them as maybe like that parental figure. So it kind of gives them more of a reason to stay in the area. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, there are some stories of, of women like feeling like they're, you know, hands being held by a kid in Waverly Hills. Um, then, you know, maybe that's wise because whatever child spirit that is, that person reminds them of their parent or they just feel comfortable with that, that person. Um, yeah, it's, I just find it interesting how the, like we're talking about the folklore gets so wrapped up that people believe BS and, you know, but also it goes to show that there's, there are modern day spirits around. <laughs> Say, and thanks <laughs> to movies too, too, the whole concept of a child ghost is such a, it's an innocent concept if you're really like breaking it down from like a logical standpoint, yeah. but because of just m- like movies and TV shows and everything, they make child spirits seem like they're even worse, like than like a normal spirit would be when realistically they're just like an innocent spirit. But at the same time though, that's where the other kind of aspect comes in. If there are darker entities that are just trying to harvest energy, things like that, you know, if they take the form of a child spirit or they choose yeah. to show themselves as a child spirit, it freaks people out more again because of media being involved with it and creating this whole stereotype yeah. of them. <laughs> well, I think you also get that whole thing with the, the demonic stuff that people's got this idea too, that, you know, demons are going to show themselves as a little girl to disarm you, you know, and that's part of movies too. But, but I think people have that idea in their head too, that, Oh, well that can't be a kid spirit. That has to be a demon. You know, it has ulterior motives. Like you're saying, coming from Hollywood and pop culture and, and things like that. Um, you know, I don't know. Nowadays, people are trying to connect the demonic thing with everything. But yeah, that's that's what it comes down to. But I mean, at least for like Waverly, for example, like the hand holding and the ball rolling, it's all innocent. But because of media, right. it freaks people out. Like, oh no, no, no! Yeah. Like, it's a child yeah. spirit. It's something dark. It's not as it appears. But it's like if it's been doing the same thing for years, and it's just that innocent. Nothing ever. Nothing else has ever happened. Like maybe taking into consideration that it's simply just a child spirit, like trying to play yeah. with you, and it's not anything yeah. darker than that. Otherwise, if it was going to make that move, it would have done it already. <laughs> right. It's just little Timmy. <laughs> you know, it's not nothing to be scared of. Um, the, the little kid, and it's not a spirit, but the little kid that I always think that creeps me out the most in movies is from Pet Cemetery, um, with mm-hmm. the scalpel, and he cuts the dude's Achilles, and yeah, that's that's always the I think the scariest little kid in in horror movies. Dude, just Achilles tendon cuts are probably like one of my <laughs> least favorite things to see in movies because they always do it so dramatic where it like splits. Right. It's that nice, man. Like I'm, <laughs> I hate seeing that stuff. It like weirds yeah. me out, even though I know it's fake. Like you know Hollywood. It, special effects like it's still just like no thank you i'm good on seeing that (laughs) yeah yeah 
So uh, I guess kind of starting to wrap up towards the end here. And of course, you know, I'd love to have you back on in the future because you're definitely a really mm-hmm. fun person to talk to as far as like the paranormal goes. And uh, I do also do another show called Bizarre Encounters with my awesome co-host Oren, where we talk about a lot of this type of stuff and like paranormal experiences and he throws theories in. Um, so I'd, like, I'd love to have you ba- bounce around. Had a lot of fun talking to you today and stuff. And uh, before we, ra- we start wrapping up, though, I always like to do words of wisdom from the guests to the listeners. And, you know, it doesn't have to necessarily be anything like life changing. But if you could leave the uh, listeners with some type of words of wisdom, uh, what would they be? I think the, the biggest thing, and this is probably a big message I tell everybody, especially the paranormal, is TV, just take it as entertainment when it comes to the paranormal stuff. In general, even if it says based on a true story, guess what? It was maybe 1% based on a true story. Just a little bit. So just don't, you know, go make up your own mind for yourself and don't believe everything that you're that you're told or that you see on TV. Prime example just want you to watch and they want to get ad revenue. That's all they care about. Prime example of that is Texas Chainsaw Massacre is based on uh, Ed, Ed Gain. And it's like <laughs> yeah. the the only part that's realistically based off of it and the actual story is the fact that he would make furniture out of skin, but like there's no chainsaw involved. There's no mat. Like, I mean, there probably was masks, but the guy wasn't like wearing them and chasing people with like a chainsaw and a mask. And I even read something too, that said back when the guy was like writing the script and everything for it, he was trying to think of like a better weapon that would like freak everybody out just from like the image of it. And supposedly the story goes that, you know, back in the day, hardware stores, he started up a chainsaw and he had a bunch of people like look at him and get freaked out and ran. He was like, boom, (laughs) found, what i'm gonna use for this one <laughs> yeah 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 and they also use the ed gein as the the model for buffalo bill and signs of the lambs i, f- I feel like that's probably a closer representation too right. <laughs> yeah even though nobody yeah. associates it yeah i had andrew parent on my show um from the she lived in the real conjuring house right she grew up in there and, and uh she was a the, the first conjuring movie she was a a consultant on and they actually let them use their real names in the movie the parent family did and she told me that maybe five percent of that movie is true. Yep, of course. That's I mean, not not to. And this is based on a true story, based on the Warren files. I was going to say the Warrens though are probably only five percent true with all their stuff, anyways. <laughs> oh, that's a that's a whole hour to talk about right there. <laughs> Open yeah. up a can of worms right at the end about the Warrens. <laughs> yeah. It's always funny. You can tell he's been into the paranormal for a while because the people that are just coming into it, it's like they're absolutely fascinated with the Warrens. But the people who have been in it a while and been into the topic for a while, you bring up the Warrens, everybody starts laughing. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, they're ridiculous. <laughs> yeah, because I mean, more often than not, for people that may not be familiar, like they wouldn't pick something up unless they thought that they're going to be able to like do a whole writing about it. Like they, they would screen things before they would even consider going there. And they would even talk to the family about like, Hey, in our book, we may, you know, expand on this a little bit. And then they'd make promises of telling people they're going to give them money for their stories. And then they never gave people money and they got sued multiple times. Like anybody that looks into the wars and realize that they're, there may have been some true stuff. I'm not going to deny that there may have been some true stuff, but there's a lot of bullshit hidden within the true stuff. And Ed Warren was a self-proclaimed demonologist. He was never trained by the Catholic Church, nothing. And then when they started out, this is the other thing that gets me real quick. When, when they started out, Lorraine Warren was not a medium. And then somehow along their past, she fucking became a medium all of a sudden. Could talk to <laughs> there wasn't even like a near-death experience. They should have like played it off. Yeah. Like we almost got into a car accident <laughs> and she almost died. She, she watched right. this log just come flying by her. Then after that, yeah. she was able to be a medium. Like <laughs> there's so much they could have done with that. They didn't even take that opportunity, yeah. even though they filled everything else up with lies. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah. If you're gonna lie, you got to do it right, right? <laughs> oh, they made a lot of money at it. That's true. I guess they, they did lie right. <laughs> their family's still making a lot of money. Hey, it's up until people started really digging in the phenomenon. Otherwise, like if it wasn't for shows like this, people like hardcore digging, they probably would still be like some of the leading people as far as like paranormal stuff oh, yeah. goes. Yeah. Now, if you really want to look up to somebody who really did their due diligence, Hans Holter, his books are phenomenal, and he really tried to get. He really is the grandfather of the paranormal. I'll have to uh, do a dive on him at some point on the other show because um, that, that that's a good one. I haven't even thought about doing over there, so I'm glad glad he threw that idea at me right at the end. <laughs> Uh, for anybody that enjoyed the conversation, they go on to come and find all the awesome work that you do, uh, maybe even share some of their paranormal stories with you. Uh, where can everybody find you? Where can they find your show? And where might they be able to share stories with you? So uh, Eric Freeman Sims on Facebook. I have a public profile. So anybody can come on and chat with me, add me as a friend. Also, the Unseen Paranormal Podcast. I have a Unseen Paranormal Lounge, which is a Facebook group, discussion group. And then uh, the Unseen Paranormal Podcast on Facebook and on Instagram and Twitter. And, um, yeah, that's the main place you can find me and, and it, you can listen, you can listen to unseen paranormal podcast and my new show, strange chapters, Spotify, Apple, anywhere you find podcasts. I don't know. It's probably, it's over like 150 podcatchers. So anywhere you listen to podcasts or music, you can find my show. I'm glad that you brought up your second show at the end. Cause I was going to say, I usually throw all the links down in the description. If anybody wants to find them quick and easy. Um, but you know, you can send me the links, of course, make sure that you send me that one for your other show too, so that I can include that and people yeah. can come check that one out. Cause otherwise I may forget it. And I want to make sure I don't forget it because that other show sounds just as fascinating as, as your first show. So I want to make sure that it gets covered too. <laughs> also both shows um, are available. I don't do video, but both shows are available on YouTube as well. Oh, perfect. Yeah. So I'll, I'll include all your links for everybody and I'm sure everybody will give you a follow because come on now you got, you got some fascinating stuff you got going mm. on over there. Thank you. Thank you. I've enjoyed it. Thank you for having me on. I'd love to come back on. Absolutely, man. Thanks for making the time to come on. I know you got a busy schedule. I'm glad we can make everything work and I'm looking forward to having you on next time, man. Yeah. Thank you. Thanks everybody. Y'all have a good day. If you guys enjoyed this episode, don't forget to share it through word of mouth with a friend or you guys can always leave a review or rating for the show on iTunes or Spotify. And if you guys leave a five-star review, of course, I will give you guys a big shout out in the show and read your review on the show, of course. And uh, if you guys want to get a hold of me for any reason whatsoever, be it that you want to sponsor the show with your product that may relate to the show in some way, shape, or form, or you enjoy doing fan art, or you know you want to send me some random haunted object or whatever, any of that kind of fun stuff. Uh, if you want to get a hold of me for any reason whatsoever, you guys can shoot me a message on Instagram, which is the form of media that I'm the most active on, or you guys can email me at inquiries of our reality podcast at outlook.com. Or you guys can go to the link tree, fill the submission form, and that will go directly to my email, of course. But uh, make sure you guys check your spam or junk folders. Make sure nothing gets missed because I do respond to every single message that I get from you guys. And uh, everything that I've mentioned is all available under the link tree, which is available down in the show description. But if you don't want to do it that way, you guys can always go to your URL, type it in at the very top of your web browser. It's going to be L-I-N-K-T-R-P-E-E slash Inquiries of Our Reality Podcast. And with that, I hope you guys enjoyed the show. And I'll catch you on the next one. Have a good night, everybody.
Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.